Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. In 1978, the trio of director Sam Raimi, actor Bruce Campbell and producer Rob Tabbert were in the words of Bruce Campbell, three schmoes on search of a clue. Desperate to get into Hollywood and not to end up back working retail, they noted that drivings across Michigan showed the same badly made horror movies and they were sure they could do better. Delving into their background of slapstick comedy, Disregarding any notion that horror is best left to the imagination, they went full force into excessive campy gore. This film became Evil Dead, and it's perhaps the most unlikely film franchise of all time. With four <laughs> movies, a TV series, board games, toys, countless comic books, video games, and a theatre musical, Evil Dead has really earned the reputation of being the tiny, weird, banned horror series that took on not only the censors, but also Hollywood. And it won. Groovy. There, see, I've got the... <laughs> <laughs> this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on adventure to watch a century cinema, decade by decade, year by year. And I am one half of your host, Liam Delaney, and with me is... Hello, and I'm Oliver Jones. Hey, and welcome to the show. Um, How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed, actually. When we first started recording, there was a rainbow outside my window, and it was quite nice, and now it's gone. I wonder so, if it was the same rainbow that was outside my window. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know how far you can see rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But... Was it? We had a doubler. It was a double one. A double rainbow. Do you remember yeah. when that was a meme? That was a, that was a big internet moment. Yeah! Oh, my... Oh, my... Oh my god, look at that. It's starting to even look like a triple rainbow. Oh my god, it's full on double rainbow all the way across the sky. Oh my god. I gotta say, this is the quickest we've ever gone off track for a miniseries. <laughs> Before we've even started. Before well, we've even started. <laughs> technically, this could be part of the Influencer series, and it's the 80s, and the first film is like celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, so I say it's, it's all good. Is it really 40th anniversary? So is it 1981? Wow. Wow. That's actually incredible. Um, but yeah, like it just felt felt right when the schedules lined up that we should maybe talk about Evil Dead, which um, from my money is, I don't know, one of the most influential films for me when I was a kid. Like I've just. Watching... I mean, are we going to go straight into it? Or are we going to talk about other stuff? Or what's what's the what's the crack? Oh, we'll do the we'll do a catch up. But let's talk a little bit about Evil Dead first. Like, well, like. Go on. I remember us because we used to go to Comic Cons when we were really young, like what, twelve years mm. old, eleven. And I remember you buying all three of them on VHS. Oh, I wow! Think, yeah, okay. I think one night we just blitzed them all in one night. I think <laughs> when we were probably far <laughs> too young to watch them, and they were definitely very influential on us, massively. Yeah, yeah, incredibly, incredibly. I think, I think I saw the first one. My dad showed me the first. Well, not the first one. That my dad showed me the second one. Like first right. is what I'm gonna say. Like at some point he just said, "Yeah, you'll look, you'll like this. Watch this, you know, kind of thing." Um, and yeah, he was right. <laughs> I did like <laughs> that. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, incredibly influential in everything we've done. And just and as you know, said in the intro, it's such a crazy kind of franchise to exist. Um, that's 
you know, I guess it's it's showing signs of slowing now. I don't know what the future of the franchise will be. Well, but they've got there's been, a there's a new film in the works, isn't there? And it's set like yeah, an apartment is, yeah. or something like that, isn't there? So I don't know and if it's a continuation from the remake or if it's just a completely new thing. Yeah, I know. Not, I know Bruce Campbell said that as a apart from being a producer, he has no like involvement in front of the camera. I think. Yeah, he he said after the um, Ash vs. the Evil Dead finished, he was done playing that character. Now he felt. Yeah, like I think he, he you know he would have carried on do. doing that series. I think. Yeah, he, yeah, he definitely. He was so good but, in it as well. It was. Such it was great. <laughs> it yeah. was so good. It was so funny. Um, I think because you know, like he has the cameo at the end of the remake, Evil Dead twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he comes in as Ash right at the end credits. Is he actually Ash or is it just tone. Bruce Campbell going groovy? I'd, I've never known it, if it's... He's he's uncredited as Ash, if that makes sense. Right, like, okay. Um, uh, and so, like, because that was a few years ago now, the people who made that have talked about the fact that he was going to be a part of the sequel if they got a sequel, basically. Um, oh, like the Evil Dead Legacy sequel. Yeah, so they were going to tie in, like, Maya, is it, the Survivor 2013 yeah, yeah, yeah. one, and Ash together um in in whatever comes forth so i wouldn't be surprised if they are making a a evil dead rises or something is it called rise of evil dead if they are doing that then i wouldn't be surprised if bruce campbell showed up maybe not as like a big character but i wouldn't be surprised if he kind of wanted you know like when people say like this is my last time doing this it's nicer to say that like before you do it rather than after you do it like, it's like Bill Murray always says, I'm never doing another Ghostbusters. Yeah, he's been yeah. in every single Ghostbusters film. Do you know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit, but I can understand. I mean, the guy's probably approaching 60 now. I don't think he completely wants to be He's probably. I reckon he's, and... he's probably over that now. He's probably probably God. mid-60s, probably nearly near. Now. Must be. I mean, if the film's 40 years old now. Yeah, and they were like 20 when making it. That was, that was yeah, what I was Yeah, early 20s. Um, so yeah, Bruce Campbell. He is sixty-two. Yeah, so we're in the ballpark, and I I can't imagine he's going to keep doing it. But what I love about the franchise is that, that each film kind of feels like its own thing and own style. So the first one is pretty Absolutely. much a straight up kind of like seventy. I know it's I know it came out in the eighties, but it feels like a seventies kind of like you were, we were talking about the other day. You said you know, it feels like a straight up seventies kind of. I don't know, like a grindhousey kind of, just dirty yeah. kind of. I don't want to say slasher film, but like, well, it's, it's a video that. nasty, you know, like we covered in the seventies. It's it's that kind of grimy, kind of horror. Yeah, very kind of very visceral, really. And then the second one is like a straight up horror comedy, and then the yeah. third one is like a almost like a fantasy epic. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, there's, it's, there's hardly any blood in the third one whatsoever. And it's nah. just kind of, it's more of like a Ray Harryhausen kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Far, and not fast, um, but like, you know, just silliness. And it's exactly like, I, I yeah, I, I think the timelines line up for this, but it's exactly um, what uh, Sam Raimi would do in the 90s with Xena and like Hercules. That kind oh, of it, like big kind of, big kind of campy adventure really is 100 percent film is yeah like it definitely i think it isn't bruce campbell's even in those shows isn't he i think he is yeah yeah he plays yeah. um 
He plays uh, the King of Thieves. I can't remember his character name, but yeah. If I remember right, he was in the first season of Xena and he was a little too, like, he took over the screen a little too much. So they actually kind of cut him from the first <laughs> series of Xena. And he ends up turning up in uh, Hercules instead, where he's, like, kind of recurring on Hercules and then eventually he comes back into Xena from right. I, <laughs> I didn't watch those films, I mean, those TV shows religiously, but I watched them enough. Kind of was he the some, same some character kind of in both series? Because I wouldn't be surprised if he was yeah, different characters. He was. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be surprised at all, actually. No, but he was, yeah. He was the same character. Um, yeah, fantastic career. But before we talk more about that, so what have you been watching recently? Oh, let me load up my letterbox. I've actually watched a shit ton this week. Oh, have you? So I'll kind of blitz through some. That. So um, first of all, I watched Love and Monsters. Oh, I enjoyed that. Which I, yeah, I enjoyed like that. it's it's a, a solid three and a half out of five. Yeah, it film. is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't do anything wrong. It doesn't do anything amazingly new, but I just really no. enjoyed it. It kind of felt a bit like Zombieland meets Turbo Kid yeah. meets like just a monster. Meets film. Why the Last Man? I was thinking. Yeah, it's got it's got Tremor references in it and stuff like that. Like there's that yeah. monster in it that's kind of a bit like the Tremors and that. Like if anyone hasn't seen it, it's on Netflix and it's basically. Like a post-apocalyptic world where, like, I think a meteorite's meant to hit Earth, but we kind of blow it out of the sky, but the gases kind of fall on the Earth and turn like insects and amphibious creatures into kind of monsters. Yeah, it's any exo exoskeleton animal, whatever they well, that's not the word. What they're called are not called exoskeletons. <laughs> There's a scene with a dog that kind of just had me like I was like, no, don't, 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 don't. I will admit to this. Uh, I guess this is a spoiler warning again. Um, but I will. But what I did was I had to pause the film and go to does the dog live dot com or whatever that website is, <laughs> and find out like what happens, and then go back to the film, like because I was I was very stressed. <laughs> it it's, a, it's a really tense scene. It's really well done, actually. I yeah. thought. I was like, um, if they if, if they do what it feels like they're doing, I'm not finishing this film. I can't handle it. Like, <laughs> I have to say, the only thing I hated about that was the nar- narration. I thought the narration almost ruined it. That's like one of the things I was like, why did you have to put this in? Just yeah, you know, could have done without that at all. Like it didn't need it. Who's it for? That definitely feels like a, a thing from like Zombieland or do you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of that kind of thing. Um But have you seen Turbo Kid? There's a lot of similarities between Turbo Kid as well. I know I haven't seen that. So Turbo Kid is kind of like Mad Max but with BMX. Mm. There's even robots in that as well, and it's like in a post apocalyptic like wasteland and stuff like that. Okay. But it's definitely a lot lower budget kind of film, that's for sure. Right. And I'm going to burp, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse oh my God. me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that force to it? Um, what else do I watch? I watch Nomadland. Uh, I like Nomadland. I liked it, although... I don't... My in, original enjoyment of it has gone down a little since I first watched it, but... I still think it's beautiful. So, <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I love watching Francis McDormand, especially Francis McDormand shitting in a bucket. But, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I think she's a great actress and she's really good in this. But I had a massive disconnect because most of the cast is like are real people. You know, they've got their real names in the film mm-hmm. and stuff. And it just felt very, I, I don't want to say disingenuous, but her performance mixed with. With them in the film just didn't click with me. It just yeah, there was a total disconnect. 
And don't get me wrong, I think... What's her name? Who directed it? It's, um, uh, Chloe Zhao. Chloe, I think she's got a load of heart and a lot of humanity. You know, she puts a lot of you know mm. warmth into the film and a lot of humanity and stuff, but it just... There's a lot of things that just kind of just didn't work for me. But I thought it was beautiful and... It is beautiful. You know, and I, I don't... It's, it may have worked better as a documentary. I don't know. I don't know if that sounds well, a bit... Um, I don't know if you've watched The Rider, her first film. No, not yet. I'm I'm gonna watch it though. I think The Rider works a little bit better because, like, there isn't a Hollywood A-list actress at the center of it. She does all the same thing about casting. You know, she casts the real rodeo jockeys in the film, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's obviously what she's going for. And I think Nomadland fails a little bit because you have. Those, that mix doesn't work so well and it it's kind of like what's that old um is it f- oh god i can't remember who tells the story but it's um olivier is it who just goes um, my oh was it dustin hoffman oh well, dustin marathon hoffman. Man. and he yeah and he goes my boy have you tried acting yeah like, <laughs> um and it just it, it there's a little bit of that in her films when i'm like you can just write a script and hire actors like we can do this yeah, uh, you don't, you don't need to try and pretend you're presenting real life because you're not. You're, you're presenting a fictionalized world. Mm-hmm. You always are. Um, as soon so, as you put yeah. a camera, even on a real person, it stops yeah. becoming fully real. Do you know what I mean? You know, there's people will change. You know, like the way people were talking in that film to Francis McDormand is not how they would normally talk in real life. So there's already no. that kind of. There's always that disconnect to it. But, um, and I know, like, she's. I didn't realise this when I originally watched it, but you know, like Chloe comes from like a billionaire family in China or something. Like she, um, oh, does really she? Weird. Like, yeah, she's her father's like one of the richest men in China or something. Oh, um, that that kind of coupled with the fact that she's shooting films in America, where like especially Nomadland go kind of promotes kind of capitalism as like the ideal or something or promotes like there's a weird feeling in Nomadland that like this is romantic because they've chosen to live like this rather than like no this is a product of like capitalism gone wild like it's not a good thing I think there's a little bit of that into it that I started I just started niggling at me you know like over the kind of couple of months since I've seen it it's uh, the uh, the because she's doing the new she's doing a new Marvel film isn't she yeah, Eternals, yeah. And Which... uh, the, 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 what Kevin Feige made a really funny comment yes. about, like, like he was amazed about the technique she used. I was like, wow, she, what do you mean she actually just films in a real place? Like, the fact that that's, sunset. like, so bizarre and crazy to him is just... <laughs> the fact that that story as well was he was telling that story that he had to pitch it to the other executives at Disney to let her shoot on, like, location. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? who the fuck are these people running, like, films? <laughs> it's because like, they know they wait, can wait. control like when they shoot in a in a back lot in Atlanta they know they've got 100% control yeah control of everything thing. yeah and it's on rails you know they, they give you the backdrops before you even got there you know like this is what your scene's gonna look like well I mean like look at the way they so. do um, you know the Mandalorian you turn up on set everything's behind yeah. them on a video <laughs> screen and you just kind of have to act alongside it and you know what I mean like it's a bit weird it's a bit weird um what else have I watched? Uh, I was really enjoying those tweets that people were shitting on the Eternals. Um, to be fair, there's uh, only like reveal. three clips, though, isn't there? There's only like a, a few. Like, yeah, but it was just such good meme 
stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> this this is what a 200, 200 million dollar sunset looks like compared to like the rider and stuff like that. It's just, it's kind of funny. <laughs> but, I uh, I watch Nocturnal Animals. Oh, that's a weird film. Um, I'm, I'm, I wanted to like I, it a lot more than I did. Yeah, I think the there's same. A, there's I, a lot yeah. of... Um, it's another three and a half stars for me. <laughs> yeah. like three stars, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, a lot of... Um, why can't I remember anyone's name? Yeah, Amy Adams in this film. It just consists of her taking her glasses on and off all the time. That's all she does <laughs> while she's reading this book that her ex-husband wrote. And then obviously the the story that he, she's reading is kind of like a... Is it his big fuck you to her really, isn't it? And, um, yeah, but I don't know how I felt about it because, you know, spoilers. I mean, it's a five-year-old film at this point, but it's about a woman who, in a previous <laughs> relationship, obviously had like a, a aborted a pregnancy, and but obviously she didn't tell Jake Gyllenhaal's character, and so he's kind of getting his revenge by writing this book, and then just doesn't turn up to a date at the end or something like that. But um, I don't, yeah, I think that's the weakest part of it all. But um. <sighs> kind of raises questions to me i don't know if it it paints paints women as a villainous because you know yes you know like having a baby is a big deal and if a person doesn't want to have a baby surely okay sure you you discuss it with your other part with your partner but it just painted her as this massive villain i think that's a bit unfair and i don't know i didn't i don't know how i felt about that and i loved his previous film i loved um, yeah me too single yeah. man and i just i love single man too I like the beginning of this where it's the story of um, Jen Hall's character because he kind of plays two characters in it, himself and then the the character within the book, which is kind of himself anyway. And like I how kind he of and his... preferred the story in the book as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like how he gets, it. you know, he's he's driven off the road by these people and his, you know, his family are taken yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, uh, what's it was good in it though? Um uh, Zod. Why can't I remember anyone's name? Like mine, <laughs> Michael <before>. Shannon. <laughs> yeah. He was really good in it. I think he was nominated for an Oscar that year, actually. Oh, was he for that? Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do love Amy Adams normally. It's got loads She's... of people. Like, you know, Michael Sheen turns up in it and stuff. So. Oh, yeah, because he plays her brother, but he's only in, like, the film for, like, one minute. <laughs> it's, like, ridiculous. Yeah. I think Aaron yeah. Taylor-Johnson's in it as well, I think. I don't normally like him. <laughs> But I liked yeah. him in this film. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was actually yeah. quite good. I like him in I like him in Tenant. And like there's a scene where he's having a shit on his porch. For some reason he's toilet's <laughs> on his porch. Why not? Um I just blitzed through some other stuff. Um I watched Nobody starring Bob uh, Odenkirk. Okay. Thumbs up or thumbs down, do a Siskel. Uh thumbs up. It's fun. It, you know, okay. it it's kind of another three and a half out of five, just solid as what <laughs> it says on the tin. You've had a uh, solid three and a half week. Yeah. What Drives <laughs> Us, which is a documentary directed by Dave Grohl about uh, okay. about um, basically uh, bands on tour, like what it's like being in a tour bus or okay. in the van. Um, it's pretty much Dave Grohl talking to his famous friends, and that's about it, really. Mm. Um, what else do I watch? Palm Springs. I actually loved Palm Springs. I loved Palm Springs as well. I watched that this week. Uh, it's really good. It's I, I've always liked that sci-fi trope, and I, like yes. Groundhog Day's yeah, done it the best. You you can you can't beat Groundhog Day, but I think it does something a little bit different with it. And I thought it was really fun. I like Andy Samberg, yeah. and um, 
Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I rated that three and a half as well. I'm not sure why it got three and a half. No, I gave it a four. But... It could go up on another watch. It's definitely, that's a film that, if I was to make that film, I'd, be, I'd feel very proud of myself. <laughs> that's how I sometimes review a film. If I made that, would I be happy with it? Yeah, no, it totally is like, I think like, I was thinking, okay, if I wrote this script, I'll be chuffed. I'd be happy. The this, only thing like... that bugged me about it was spoilers. People want to skip ahead. Um, so <laughs> it's about a guy who, well, a guy and a girl, and they're attending a wedding. I don't think we they... should spoil it at all, just in case. Uh, well, I'll put a little... Sp- I just want to talk to you about the... Well, okay, I won't spoil anything. But how it ends, I wish it ended a scene before that. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay. It kind of reminded me... It's a better... Ver- like, do you remember Safety? Is it Safety Not Guaranteed? Yes. That yeah. yeah. So that that I wish that ended like a minute before it did or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Totally. That really, really spoiled the film. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I like the fact that that it, it's it's not explained why they're kind of in this time loop, but there is like a there's something there that kind of is a symbolism of this time loop. Whereas, like in Groundhog yeah. Day, there's nothing. It's just this one guy kind of. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> How has this happened to me? What's going on? How do I fix it? Whereas there's a little bit more to this one. And I don't know if I prefer the mystery of like not knowing nothing at all and just kind of experiencing it through this guy's eyes or... I don't know. But anyway, I still yeah. really liked it. And then finally, I watched Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, I've never seen that. I, I've been meaning to for ages. It's really interesting. I've not watched any of his other films. So he did... I know he did The Favourite, didn't he? And I need to see The Lobster. Uh, but this Dog is... Tooth as well is um yeah I've seen that much I haven't seen Sacred Deer yeah the, what they they Greek films some of his early he's films. Greek yeah 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 he's Greek but um, those films aren't but Killing of the Sacred Deer like I don't want to really talk about it if you haven't seen it because I've never seen anything like it like the okay. performances of it are so like it's almost like everybody sp- speaks how they're thinking I know that sounds weird but it's whatever's on their mind they'll just say it. But it's yeah. done, it's performed in such a bizarre way that I've never really... I don't, I don't know. I just fa- I found it quite fascinating, and I've never seen a story quite like it. I, re- yeah. I really liked it. I'll try and check that out. So yeah, I it's definitely... It. I mean, Nicole Kidman's pre- it's always pretty solid. Um, I think Colin Farrell is, is becoming a real... I mean, I'd say now, but in the last 10 years or so, he's... He's oh yeah, a he's really one of the more interesting actor. leading men's in Hollywood by far. Oh yeah, hundred like, percent. He's amazing in Lobster. He's absolutely amazing in Lobster. You'll love him. Like, uh, like I like the fact he's got his Irish accent in uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I really liked because normally he's putting on like an American accent and stuff like that. Um, the other there's a kid in it who I won't spoil who the kid is or what he does, but he's also in. He's the kid who's in uh, Dunkirk who goes blind when he falls in the boat. Okay. Okay. And he's also, yeah. I think he's in The Green Knight this year, which I can't wait for that. Ah, oh, the trailer for that drops tomorrow. I saw that oh. earlier. Really looking forward to that. I think he's in the new Batman film as well. And I forgot what the name of that. He's an Irish actor, but he's really good in the film as well. Colin Farrell's in the new Batman as well. He is. He's the Penguin. He's the Penguin. Have you watched anything? Yeah, I haven't watched um, quite as much as you, I guess. But <laughs> uh, I've got a few things I'd like to mention. Uh, I watched a documentary series on Hulu, and not strictly a film, but you can log it on a Letterboxd, so that means it counts. Oh, um, we'll have we'll, <laughs> we can have two guests on in this mini series who might disagree with you on that. They're they're very strict on their um, they've they've had a they've got a, they've got a letterbox manifesto. 
Have they? <laughs> Some of the stuff that you can log on Legobox is so weird. It's so odd. Yeah, thou shall not log TV series or. <laughs> <laughs> like but like otherwise, I'd have nothing logged for this year if I wasn't locking documentaries on HBO. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's called Sasquatch. Um, oh, I've heard of this. And it's like it's only a three par, and meaning they are amazing because they're not stupid people who made like an eight part documentary that needed three. So it's just three parter, and I won't spoil anything about it. I'll just give you the setup because I think the setup's wonderful. But um, basically, there's this investigative journalist who kind of he specializes in doing stuff like investigative and he kind of like he goes in like neo-Nazi groups and stuff like that. Uh, he, when he, in like 1993, he was on like a weed farm in Northern California and he was out of his head, you know, they were on shrooms and stuff. And at the middle of the night, these two guys whacked out on like meth turn up, just screaming about the fact that they've just seen three people killed by a Sasquatch saying that <laughs> their, their limbs were everywhere. There was blood everywhere. Like, um, and he says like, you know, I've been around so much in my life that like, there was something there that never left me so like 20 years later whatever it is i can't do dates uh he's like has never forgotten this story about three men killed by a sasquatch in northern california in 1993 so he's like right i'm an investigative journalist i'm going to investigate basically and see if this is real and see what what happened basically and that's oh, okay. the setup for the whole thing and it's absolutely worth watching it's really good and it's only three episodes so um, that reminds I me really of the film it. i need to watch i need to watch that film that's i think it's is it about the guy who kills adolf hitler and then the sasquatch then, ah, yeah, yeah. what's that film the man who is it the man who killed Alan Hitler and then bigfoot yeah something like that yeah it's got um it's got your your, your main in it and what's his name? The, the the narrator from The Big Lebowski. Yeah, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, yeah. It's got Michael Turner I'm, as well. I'm having a complete brain fart with people's names today. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I also watched um, Shoplifters, the 2018 Japanese film. Uh, oh, I've, I've always wanted to watch this. Hirozu Koreada? Oh, God, I've butchered that. I, I, I'm hard. That name's hard for me. <laughs> um, uh, he did after the storm as well, I believe. But um, yeah, but yeah, shoplifters, which is stunning, um, absolutely stunning. Uh, and I can't believe it's taken me so long to watch it. It's it's a wonderful film with such amazing performances, uh, especially like the granny in it is an absolutely stunning performance. And the mom, the mom, the mom as well. It just um, a wonderful performance. It's it's basically. It's hard to sum up, but it's about a family who are living kind of off the grid, very, very poor family who survive by like shoplifting things. And their family like situation is kind of made up of people they adopt really into their family. Kind of, you know, they find people who are like, you know, a bit broken and a bit not with that, not with other family. And they kind of bring them into their family unit. Is right. the kind of way to put it. Um, It's, yeah, it's just wonderful. It's it's, and I absolutely recommend it. It's uh, it's brilliant. <laughs> okay, I'll check that out. And my next two things, I'm I'm continuing on my like my watches of uh, Spike Lee, and I've watched a few of them this month. But I'm, like, I've I've, I've weeks, purchased so. like nearly all of his filmography in <laughs> yeah. anticipation. I'm going to start going through them as well. 
anyway, but sorry. I watched um, I watched one called Get on the Bus, which was 1996, a film that was incredibly hard for me to find. A lot of his filmography is really hard to find, actually. Um, Get on the bus and Get on the Bus is wonderful, and I can't believe I've not spoke about more. And it's I, it's a type of film I love as well. It's just confined to a group of black guys basically are traveling to the Million Man March, which was an event in like the mid nineties about racism, basically in like in like um in uh, and police treatment and whatever like in like uh, Washington in the mid nineties, and it's just their stories. I don't know what it is. Like it seemed like a lot of his films seemed to like underperform during the nineties. Yeah. Like. And like yeah, it, they really do. He seemed to have a very similar career trajectory to say like Richard Linklater, like just kept making mm. film after film after film on to kind film of after film, yeah. Like low budget and they kind of really didn't make much money, but for some reason they're they they're able to keep like I don't know if like it it just sells like, you know, T V rights and stuff, which means they, they, they sure. manage to make a profit and stuff eventually. But sure. obviously he's you know, he all of his films have something to say, don't they? And uh when he yeah, when he wants to say something, he knows how to say it. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about him. It really reminded me of the Five Bloods actually, because the Five Bloods big thing about that is the generational aspect of it. Like, how are these different generations of black men like understanding the Vietnam War or understanding yeah. politics, current politics, and Trump and stuff like that? And Get on the Bus is the same thing. You've got different generations of black men talking about kind of racism in America and how it affects them in different ways uh, and what to do about it and. Ozzy Davis, do you know the the, the Ozzy Davis yeah. actor? From from Bubba uh, Hotep, no. Yes, from Bubba Hotep, yes. yeah, totally. Um, uh, he's kind of the lead, if you can That shows exactly who I am, but I only know him from that, though, to be fair. Yeah, no, I do too, <laughs> though. Like, I was even like, we'll talk about Bubba Hotep today. Like, um, But, like, uh, Ozzy Davis is just, just wonderful in it, just absolutely spectacular performance. And it's a film that just, um, it just relies on its performances, really, more than anything else. Um. And I just can't recommend it more. Frankly, I just can't recommend it more for a film that I've literally never heard of. You know, like no one's ever <laughs> in my life told me to watch this film, you know, like or I've seen it anywhere. I've never it never turned up on TV or anything like that. So I really recommend it. And um, awesome. I've also been bouncing through, like trying to get through Hitchcock as well. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, I watched a film called Lifeboat from 1944, which is... Again, you can tell the films I love because I love these kind of closed in like sets. So Lifeboat is basically like there after like a bombing in World War Two. There's a bunch of people trapped on a lifeboat, basically. Um, okay. And uh, it's spectacular. It's such a great, great film about like tensions arising with each other. Why are they all there? Are any of them spies? Like are they all working against each other? Are they going the right way to like save themselves? Um, you know, rationing the water and hoarding it and. And um, the surgery scene when they have, they have to kind of perform surgery to save someone's life is absolutely just gruesome, really, especially for a film from 1944. Uh, I would, uh, I, re- I really, really loved it and really recommend it. Okay. It's really cool. And that is that that's one but, of his British films. Sorry. Uh, Lifeboat 1944. No, that would be no. just after, wouldn't it? Oh, okay. 1944. I think it's just after America, but maybe it is a British film. I feel like it's just after America. I think it's like one of his first American films, but I'm not totally sure. Let me check. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, it's one of his first American films after okay. like um, Rebecca. Um, it's really good. Again, like just another one of these films of like, I've never heard of this and now I've watched it and it's wonderful. So I really wanted to shout that out really. Wow. Interesting. Right. I've got a, I've got a little game for us. It's a very quick okay. one. 
So okay. I have a lot of like Blu-rays those. and a lot that I haven't watched. <laughs> and I know that's <laughs> okay. one of the part of this podcast is like watching films <laughs> that we haven't watched that we keep meaning to. So um, there was a Criterion Blu-ray sale the other day. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get oh, this, okay. this, this, this. So I got Carnival of Souls, which might be a good one for us to do for the 60s. And uh, I got mm. um, Stalker, the Russian film and stuff like that. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. But it made me realize I've got far too many films that I haven't seen. So <laughs> this is just my Blu-rays that I've put down in a list. And it's like one, two, uh, 176, which is very embarrassing. <laughs> wow. That is like, a lot. I will, some of them I have seen, but not. Sure. Seen since I've got on Blu-ray, right? Which right, means, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, so, what I'm going to say to you is, you've got to pick a number from one to uh, seventy-six, and then I will watch that film for next week. Okay, I'm going to well, try and do this every week in a, in a bid to get them to cut down. But that said, I haven't put my DVDs on yet, so this list will probably triple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. My favourite number, my lucky number, is 52. So I'm going to pick 52. 52. Anything to do with the comic series? Uh, no. Oh. Well, yeah, but no. But Cheers for this. I'm going to watch a razor head. Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. Great. I'll watch a razor head for next week. That sounds great. kind of want to watch a razor head now. <laughs> I'm going to try and stick to this better than I stick to my Bond promise from a few years ago. Well, from a year ago. <laughs> I'm, yeah, so I'm slowly working my way, way through like Hitchcock, Spike Lee, and like Godzilla is my kind of thing at the moment that I keep trying to put on. Um, and and like, Agnes Varda as well. I'm trying to work my oh, way yeah. through Agnes Varda. We've got a film yeah. of hers on this docket, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We've got yeah. two of them on the docket one for the 60s and one for the 80s. Yeah, we've got um, Vagabond on the docket. So I kind of really want to watch her 60s film, but I kind of really want to do it on the podcast. So it's one of those ones I'm like. I'll just leave it, leave it there, and we'll talk about it in the sixties. Like, <laughs> but anyway, we've just rambled on. Uh, we should talk. We should talk. We should talk about today's topic because there's a, probably a lot to cover. I'm yeah, thinking. definitely. So uh, we kind of spoke about it up front, but uh, today we're covering the Evil Dead. <laughs> your girlfriend you take care of her
So directed by Sam Raimi. Yep. Starring Bruce Campbell and yep. produced by Robert Tappert, who I'm never sure how to say his surname. I think it's just Tappert, Robert Tappert. Tappert, yeah. Um, they're the three creative forces of this film by absolute far. Like, uh, there were three, you know, friends in high school who were always working together to make films and stuff like that. And I think, like, you know, I was going to do the plot and I've just started rambling. I say the plot is very simple. A group There's of friends hardly go any to a cabin. plot to it, really, is there? Yeah. A group of friends on holiday go to their cabin and, and unbeknownst to them, an archaeologist has been there because that's always the problem. And <laughs> Damn archaeologists. <laughs> archaeologists. And that archaeologist has brought with them a book of the dead and that has awakened uh, the souls of the dead in the forest. And when they play the recording, it kind of finalises that awakening and and it's a race for survival, really, of these of the friends and really just Bruce, to be honest, for um, Ash Williams. Like, that's really it. That is really the plot, like, of Evil yeah. Dead 1. There's really not much to it. And as you were saying, I think, I think one of the most enduring things and things I love about Evil Dead and, and one thing that really just appealed to me was was the fact that you can see the filmmaking in it, um, and you can see it being a film that people have made, especially when you know we were young, you know we were teenagers and wanting to make films and stuff like that. You oh, can watch 100%. a film like Evil Dead and understand that this was physically made in this cabin with them throwing guts at them, you know, like. Well, you can see, like, so Sam Raimi obviously is fantastic with the camera, and. Yeah. I think, you know, he takes a lot of his cues from, like, you know, like the Three Stooges or even, like, silent yeah. comedies and things like that from, yeah. you know, the eras beforehand. And um, But obviously he didn't have the money to, to produce some, like, you know, the slick camera moves. So it was all done by handheld or, like, by screwing stuff onto, you know, four by fours or whatever, like, you know, yeah. or yeah. put it, like, t- gaffer taping onto a stick or whatever like that. Yeah. So everything looks a bit rough and ready, but it's all things that we could imitate. And especially like we yes. had that book, uh, was it there? If Chins Could Kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had all diagrams of all the different contraptions <laughs> that they did to film. So I think when we made our zombie film years and years ago, we literally copied every single one of these things by taping yep. things onto blocks of wood or, you know, you know, we did we did everything that they did pretty much. And I think, you know, Filmmakers like Edgar Wright owe their whole career to like people like Sam Raimi. Yeah. Because yeah. they're emulating and him, who was then emulating the people before him. Sam Raimi just has this uh like I, I you know, I think it's I think it's a Michigan spirit. I'm gonna like label it this. Just this this pioneering, just like I'm going to do this kind of thing. It's very this film is this is why it's so good to talk about before talking about the eighties. This film is so like Reagan. This film is so eighties. It's so like we are going to achieve this and we're going oh, yeah. to like win. You know, like and nothing can stop us. Like and in like, like we're just gonna keep pioneering and do this. And Sam Ramo is totally that spirit of like filmmaking from this time period. And as you say, like the film's b- biggest technical achievement was like they called it the force camera movement. And it was essentially like a shaky and steady cam hybrid. And all it was was a wooden board <laughs> like carried by Sam as he run through the woods, you know. And it just created this like look that was smooth but also free roaming and kind of like um and kind of like wild as well. And when like it, you know, smashes through a window, 
they just smashed it through a window. There was nothing, <laughs> like there was nothing special about it. They just pushed this four by four through the window. Like, well, that's like one of the opening shots, isn't it? Of going through the water. Yeah, I don't. I'm not is. quite sure how they did the water one because they don't. He doesn't affect the water. So there's no ripples coming from the camera operator. It's I'm not literally sure how, how they did. That I was one. I was reading it today. Literally, it was gaffer taping the camera to Sam and leaning Sam out of a boat like a dinghy really far <laughs> out. And like, so he was just, he held the camera with gaffer tape to him and to just float the camera like it was floating on the water, like far away from the boat. So, and it was all him just moving the camera really practically, just with all, with gaffer tape, you know, like same way we made films with gaffer tape. Like, like the one thing I wanted to, like, so a lot of the, like early on in the film, like the villains you don't see as much. It's just like, it's the camera is the villain. Yeah, because yeah, it's kind yeah, of yeah. It's like chasing of them and, and stuff like that. So, do you think the characters can actually see something, or are they just sensing something and they just know something's uh, there? Or is I it? Think, yeah, I always thought it was noise more than anything else. Just more of I a noise that was coming towards them, like from another dimension like, or something, like. Because I've never seen the second one in the cinema, but I've seen the first one projected, and like, yeah, one we thing saw it really. At the, because well, we saw it with the double bill with that film called The Lighthouse, and I think it was—I think it was the 20th oh, yeah. anniversary of Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, Showing our age. And one of the things that shocked me about it was the fact that like the sound was so good for it, um, and there was there's so much thought gone into like of the sound for it, like you know a 16 millimeter film or whatever that it was so like dynamic and kind of like scary, basically. My one memory of seeing that screening. The scariest thing for me was that um, the hammock or whatever, not the hammock, but that uh, that chair <laughs> the, that's on the, the porch, chair. the one that's just there's no wind or anything, but it's just whacking against just, the side of the doosh, of the cabin. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it just yeah, stops. yeah, yeah. Um, I've got like I got a quote here that's saying, "When in doubt, make it up as you go along." Uh, I don't know. Who, I don't even know who that's um, quoted to. <laughs> <laughs> My messy notes that are just thrown up quotes, apparently, like. What do you think um, of like the acting? So like straight away you've got the the main characters like in the car. Yeah. And I um, think for a low I, low budget film, they're not too bad. I think I think like this film this gets into I keep I keep thinking of other things to say. I think the acting and the kind of it gets into kind of the treatment of the women in the film, which we should always talk about because it's very weird. Well, um, they're the, they're, like, they're, they're first ones to die pretty much aren't they straight yeah. away? Just they like this film just kills the women in the worst way, and they're like the enemies of the film. And then it doesn't just kill them; it 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 you know it, it sexually assaults them, it, um, decapitates it. It's it's wild, really. Um, but I, in terms of acting, I think like I think the women in this film are amazing. Like I think um, Ellen Ellen um, Sandwis, who plays Cheryl, I think is so full on. Like is she so the one who's like the, like the China Doll kind of? That's no, his, Cheryl no. is the one that ends up in the basement. Linda's the one who's kind of the China doll. Which one's his sister? That, that's Cheryl. Cheryl's that's his Ellen sister. Samuels, yeah, Linda's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Rain is going to listen to this. He's going to have my guts forgotten. <laughs> well, I was going to give you a test if you could remember the film, the character names, because I always <laughs> I don't know. Uh, them, is like. Scott the other guy? Scotty? No. Scott. Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott. Yeah. yeah. See, I know my characters. And who's his girlfriend? That you, I don't think you remembered existed until I just said who's his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's girlfriend, Shelley. So there's Cheryl, Linda, and Shelley. 
in this film. And I always forget there's three girls in it because I always, always think there's two. Like, and I always get confused where the other one comes from. And I've seen this film like 30 times. <laughs> but I was watching it properly today and I was like, the, the girls in this film are, are fucking awesome. Like, they're given so much. They're, you know, caked in these prosthetics. They're swung all about the place. There's blood all over them. They're fucking, like... um the fucking eyelid things. What? What? What oh, are eyelid those, things? They're like. They're like. Well, they were like glass contact lenses, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're like some uh, of the things, some uh, of the shots, and I'm sure they probably did it like stop frame, like you know, like they put yeah. them in and then took them out, which is yeah. probably a pain in the ass to film. But the way they did some of those shots look like ace, like when their eyes just they, suddenly open and they're like suddenly open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they couldn't see out of them. They were blinded by them. Like Bruce Campbell and says it was like putting Tupperware in your eyes. Like it was that you couldn't see out of them at all. It's probably so like, worth noting though that half the time we see them in makeup, it's not the actual actors or actresses that was probably cast for those roles because by the time they got aren't. to, you know, they had to get their, as we say, their shemps. Yeah, yeah. That's another aspect of it. that Like he used a lot of what he called fake shemps. Um, they're actually in, in the credits. It, it says fake shimps. They are, yeah, fake shimps. I think the six credited ones. Ted Raimi, who's more important for the sequel, who's um like Sam's like, brother. Like when when but Ash like, kills Linda, I'm pretty sure when he after he buries her, it's a completely different actress or whatever. When he's right. fighting, it looks so different. But she's but like, full on creepy when she's like sitting on the floor, like looking up at yeah. him with that kind of like China doll baby just, kind of. And keep laughing and stuff. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, they're so effective. And I think, like, so one, like, I can say the treatment of women in this film is is very it's a questionable to the point when I'm thinking, like, Sam, what is up with you? Well, like, you know but, why like, he um, put the... He probably put the rape stuff... Like, so one of the characters gets raped by a tree. Even I remember not liking it that much when I was a kid, but now as an adult, well... I, it just did not sit well with me, that scene, but... No, it's horrible. Yeah, it's, I remember it's, seeing it when I was a kid, and it, didn't, it barely... F- phased me it like yeah. it's just a th- an event you know and then i watched it like recently like for this and i was like no this is this is so disgusting but <laughs> do you think really he put bad, that in like... because of films like i spit on your grave and stuff like that so he knew because this whole film was made like they're not horror people they made this no, purely no, no. to make money to make a film yeah do you know what i mean um, it, it wasn't made I think out of he being was emulating about- yeah, he was emulating I mean. the 70s horror. He was. And I think yeah. he was going for it. He has said that he regrets it. It's the one thing he does regret. But he says that, but it turns up in every fucking version. Well, I mean, there is a tree attack in the second one, but it's not a rape. It's more of an attack, isn't it? But I, I, get, I mean, an attack's still, I don't know. There's no, there's no penetration. I seem to remember there's, I seem to remember there's tree rape in 2013, Evil Dead, but maybe I'm making that up. Um, I can't remember. I, can't I remember think there's definitely something. Like, but yeah, anyway, it's he's still he on the record he said that like he regrets that and yes, it's the worst thing about the film. It is. Like you don't need to go that far with that scene. It doesn't actually achieve anything. Like it, it doesn't at all. You like the tree attack in the second one does does the same amount, you know. So that character is the first one cuz like to be fair, like the possession stuff happens quite early on, doesn't it? So I think the one character who, almost as get there, yeah. That's like Cheryl. she's drawing, isn't she? Yeah, so yeah, she yeah, starts. Yeah, yeah. This is before they've even found the book, isn't it? And they've gone in. The yeah, cell. she starts like drawing the book of the dead. Then if cannot. Yeah, there's like book. whispers outside of a window. You know, like yeah, you know, um, like come join us. I think that's what they're saying. Come join us. Come join us. Like, and she starts like etching the book of the dead and stuff. Um, but I should I should say before we go right into it, what's I think, you know, 
I keep saying about that what's so influential about this film and what's so great to me was the, the just the production of it itself I think is worth talking about as well like um because mm-hmm. the production of itself is legendary really you know like people it's legendary that they made this, this they got this film made you know and, and we've said it before they were making super eight films since they're in college uh for years you know um and they just wanted to be filmmakers they didn't they you know they didn't want to just end up working in like in michigan and they just kept on wanting to make stuff um they came up with a i in 1979 after seeing like films they came up with this book a film called the book of the dead and they started going around town just pitching it to people to pitching it to anyone they were just knock they they said they just went around like upper middle class neighborhoods knocking on people's doors <laughs> asking for money and stuff like that um they made a budget of a thousand dollars like a thousand six hundred dollars and um they brought in like a cast of crew and actors from what the people used to make super eight films with them and they shot a half hour movie called within the woods and uh they that for that you know they just they just you know duct tape and costumes and and you know canned like syrup for blood and stuff like that and armed with this like prototype you know they called it like a pilot for their film they went out to kind of pitch it to actual producers so they went they 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 just went out there to find any producers they could find and they eventually kind of you know started pulling money together and started finding people who would who would who would um you know fund it they would show the film at like in like supermarkets they'll show it anywhere they like the within the woods anywhere they could and and a bit by bit people started like getting investor interest and and, and started wanting to fund something um which i just think is incredible well they got a that lot really i know they does. i know they targeted a lot of like dentists and people like that didn't yeah. they but i guess they could have <laughs> yeah, or people that could like do it as a write-off or something like that do you know what i mean like and but like all their 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 college films or the high school films, they're all comedies, weren't they? So like they did stuff yeah. like Clockwork and it's murder and stuff. But I think comedy and horror go hand in hand because it's all about timing, isn't it? So yeah, and they just and I think Sam knew what he had in Bruce Campbell as well. And Bruce is such like a physical actor on screen, and he's such a you know like like I'd say definitely of... more so in the second one than the first one. But like yeah, totally. Um, I mean, his quote about Bruce Campbell is, he's the only one girls like, so that means he goes in front of the camera and the ones girls don't like went behind the camera. That's how he <laughs> said that. Like, um, <laughs> but like, and yeah, they. I think they just had this kind of like in it together kind of attitude. The shoot for the first film sounds like the worst thing in the in the world. Like, oh, I, yeah. which I can't, I, it's wild. I think only Bruce Campbell stayed friends with Sam Raimi after the first one. Like, but like they they were shooting on this set in the middle of nowhere. There was no heating in this cabin. It was freezing cold. They were all sleeping in the cabin together. Uh, Ellen and Bruce stopped showering because it was too cold to get wet. You know, to get in a shower and get wet, it would make them like sick and and ill. Um, they were constantly covered in like gore, constantly covered in like syrup. That there was mosquitoes everywhere. Um, there was n- there was no money for like food and stuff like that, so they were eating like scraps and stuff like Didn't that. Didn't they say that the floorboards um, kind of the the amount of blood and stuff kind of soaked into the floorboards yeah, and stuff, so they get the softer and like their hair was snapping because of all the corn syrup and their hair was drying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like their hair was drying to like candy or That's something. It. it was Bruce Campbell's hair is really funny in this film because it starts off as like this mushroom, yes, and then it can become something else by the end of the film. <laughs> I don't know how long it took them to shoot or. 
I think it was 12 weeks. Really? 12 week shoot. It was, That's yeah. That's insane. Like most, you know, you think now, like you're probably looking at 20 days is like your minimum yeah. for like a short film. Not a short well, film, like a low budget film. I read twelve weeks, but now I'm not actually sure if that's not the shoot. I might be wrong for that. Um, but but you know, I think it was. I seem to remember it was annoyingly long then because they didn't know what they were doing. You know, like they were just making up as they went along. They were trying to, you know, trying to kind of. Um, well, there could be a lot of like it. how we used to make films. We'd edit what we filmed, and then we think, oh, yeah, we, need, sure. we need a bit here to go here, and a bit here to go here to make this make sense. So then you have to go back. You have to go back and retake that, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe it was that, like, um, yeah. I just, I can't imagine how shitty it was. I just can't imagine how shitty it was to make. It, they, it sounds so dreadful. It sounds like, it sounds so painful. Bruce Campbell got hurt during it. Um, he, his leg swelled up, and like Sam Raimi just enjoyed punishing him for that. Like him and Robert <laughs> Tapper would basically hit him in the leg every morning to make him limp still. Like, and to put him in pain, like, Sam Remy sounds like a proper, like, kind of, like, um, I don't know what the word is, a proper terror. I don't know, like. Yeah, he's, but he's um, obviously uh, likable enough, because people wouldn't do this kind of shit if he wasn't sure a nice, but, like, like I know, like, on the set of Spider-Man, there's a scene where, like, uh, Tobey Maguire is, like, doing up his shoelaces, and people walk past and hit him with the bags as he's, like, they're walking past. And apparently, like, Sam Raimi was the one who kept running past with the bags, clouting him in the head and stuff like that. Like, he likes <laughs> he has to said that his he, Yeah, he has said he likes to see actors in pain. He likes to see actors bleed for him. Like, he considers that, like, hard work or something. Like. <laughs> I just looked it up. It was 12... It was meant to be 12 weeks, and it went to 14 during the winter of, like, of, of like, 1979, 80. Um, in Michigan, like it was freezing cold. <laughs> like, and a uh, funny thing is about it, like uh, a couple of weeks after filming, the cabin was struck by lightning and burnt down as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it, and um, yeah, they they were sleeping in the cabin together. They they was they were in pain. They were bleeding everywhere. There's a bit in Evil Dead where like um, I can't remember. I think it's Cheryl is swinging a knife at bruce and um she's got these contacts in that you can't see out of and the knife's real and like you could i think the look on bruce's face is genuine terror i don't think there's any (laughs) actor going on i think there's genuine this knife being flung about by a blind woman and he's genuinely scared about getting like cut by it like that's the type of film it is that's the type of film that evil dead is like there's he I mean, um, there's a bit about the chainsaw that Sam Remy was obsessed with, like, hearing it. Like, they, he didn't want to have anything, like, put in in Foley. He wanted the chugga, 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 like, and the smoke coming out of the chainsaw. So, like, they were constantly testing ways to make that happen without it being an actual chainsaw with a chain, you know. <laughs> um, so, like, they had tons of pipes going all around Bruce Campbell's body and, like, that would they pump tobacco smoke through and, like different sound effects coming through the kind of chainsaw to make the sound effect and stuff like that. And Bruce Campbell talks about the fact that after shooting for like, I don't know, it was 12 weeks, I don't know how long the chainsaw bit was, just being covered in tobacco staining, you know, all up his body and his skin and like his <laughs> and his shirt and stuff like that. Like, it just sounds like an absolute hell. Like, and and something that like, 
they still talk about it like it's hell, but it worked. So yeah, but it's, it's like their badge of honor. Like you know, they were exactly, young people yes, who were desperate word, to make yeah. a film. So you kind of you do anything necessary to get this film done, even if it does mean sacrificing yourself to a certain extent. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> and really you know. hurting yourself and, and yeah. stuff like that. And they and they got it. You know, they got it done. Like Bruce Campbell talks about the fact that he went to go buy gum and realized he didn't have any money left to buy like a pack of gum or stuff like that. It was just, it sounds so crazy to me. Um, I mean, like you and, know, it's uh, worth saying, like if it wasn't for this film, we probably, we might not have had the Coen Brothers like we have now as well, because you know, that, yeah, I that's think Joel part of the story. Joel assisted like on the editing. Like he wasn't the main yeah. editor, but he definitely assisted. And I think it's, he even uh, used the same process that that Sam and Bruce did to make money to make the money to make blood simple yeah exactly like uh we'll talk about it when we get to like uh evil Dead 2 actually because they're part of like the kind of story when it gets there and stuff but like but basically like after evil dead one's made and they they get it in the can as you say i think edited by joel um because they they're from the same place in like michigan and they move they move into a house in like hollywood and i think it's joel and ethan cohen francis mcdermott holly hunter and Sam Remo, I think it is, like, um, which is a crazy little, like, house in Hollywood with these, like, northern actors from Michigan, like, working together. But um, they they kind of bump into um, Irvin Shapiro, who was the, like, legendary horror producer for, for George Romero. And, uh, and he was based, he kind of watched this film and loved it and gave them the greatest bit of advice that you should always give filmmakers that a film that's called book or something is boring as fuck don't do it so <laughs> so he named it evil dead um because at the time it's called book of the dead and uh and he says and he basically put the money up to get them to show it at can because they couldn't find a distribution thing for this it and they end up showing it at can and when what happens at can is that stephen king sees it and stephen king writes like a huge huge like glorious review of this film calling it like the most original most original horror film of 1982 or whatever 1981 or whatever and uh that that review alone from Stephen King is what makes Evil Dead happen basically it like um they set up a fake company to release it because they couldn't get it rated by the MPAA it gets like an X rating in England it gets I think it gets an X rating in Hollywood or whatever so they set up a separate distribution company to release the film which means they do it outside of the MPAA and it gets shown at like cinemas it gets VHS releases it gets like dripped out there really and because of Stephen King going to bat for this and them getting the permission of Stephen King to put his quote on the poster and they made all the posters themselves as well not for any production company that's what got the ball rolling and that's when they let people start watching this film it's amazing that he had that much power King did back the late 70s early 80s that his yeah. just you know, he's not even a film reviewer, like that his no like one little he's quote just can help. Mr. Sell Horror. You know, yeah. like So yeah, they made this film for like three hundred and seventy five um thousand dollars and in America alone it picks up two million, I think. Two point four million, I think it was, at the box office. And when it just starts stripping out international, you know, whatever, tons more. And then home video is just just, you know, wild. It's it's one of the probably one of the most successful films ever in terms of that box office because of how cheap they made it and how much money it continues to make. Like, 
Wikipedia says it made 2.7 million or 29.4 million. So I don't know what that <laughs> <It's okay>. means. <laughs> that's but, weird. Uh, maybe this one box office one's home. I don't know. Um, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, they come, it just becomes a phenomenon. And you can see why. And, you know, we've talked about this before. We won't go over it again. But this is part of the video nasties thing in England as well. And it's one of the banned videos. You know, it's one of the, the illegal films, really. Evil Dead is. And um, that alone is what helps it, you know, selling it again and people wanting to see it and it becoming this kind of artifact that people need to see as well. It getting passed around by VHSs. You finding like, you know, places like the Prince of Prince of Wales cinema in like London showing it and stuff like that. So, you you know, sneaking down to go watch it and things like that. It becomes like a proper kind of like cult thing in a way that I don't think we have cult things in the same way anymore. It's a proper way that... It was difficult to watch. You had to go out of your way. You had to kind of find it. You were a little bit obsessed with watching it as well. People were obsessed with trying to see these films. Well, I mean, we spoke to James, who yeah. his dad had a video store, and he, they, you know, they had to ask him, and they, he'd get it from around the back, and then you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it eventually got done for it, didn't he? Got prosecuted. Yeah. And probably one of these films as well, like uh, probably, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, Sam Raimi. I don't know if Sam Raimi actually went to court, but he was definitely called up to go to court to kind of testify. He about... definitely gave test. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for his, you know, criminal film, and and we've been talking about it, but this film is it's full on. It's this isn't comedy compared to the second one. It's comedy in the fact that it's big and camp, you know, like, but it's not funny. It's a it's and I think I forget that about this film, that it's not trying to be funny. It is trying to be a quite a shocking well, horror film. Well, like, I mean, like, there's there's two scenes that kind of, like, mirror each other. Well, not mirror each other, but, like, in the first one, you've kind of got a scene where Ash gives his girlfriend a, like, a pen... Like a, not a, like a, it's like a little magnifying glass. Like a necklace thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's quite a cute little scene, actually, though, where he's yeah. pretending to be asleep. And, you know, he's he feels very genuine and, like, you know... But then in the second one, there's a moment where he's talking to... They get to the cabin with um, his girlfriend. Yeah. And he's like the biggest cheese kind of <laughs> like winking, nudge, nudge kind of... And you're like, this is a totally different character. This is a totally different film. Yeah, yeah. But not in a bad way, just totally, just, just different. And like... But like you were saying, like it's a nasty little film, this one is. It, it is. At times... It like is. when he chops up that body and there's just the limbs are like sprayed out and they've obviously cut holes in the floor where they've stuck their limbs through and that. Yeah. And they're just yeah. kind of wiggling about. It just looks awesome and it just looks horrible. There's like, one bit where... Like the um, blood, it's not just blood. It's like this green it's kind like of viscera. Green yellow kind of yeah. like sick. And There's a good quote from Sam actually about this is they were under the false impression that as long as the blood wasn't red, then it would matter how much they used of it. So it's, it's the same thing for Evil Dead 2 as well. They they basically say, like, okay, Bruce's blood's going to be red, but all the blood of the deadites can be green and orange and stuff like that. And then the, the censors won't yeah. care because it's not real blood, but that wasn't... The censors disagreed. <laughs> like, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's... I think, like, th- th- there's a scene in it where I can't... It's... Is it someone gets stabbed with a pencil? So I think it's Cheryl stabbing Shelley, 
and she stabs her in like the Achilles tendon with this pencil and proper oh, like oh that scene <laughs> proper just like made me digs it around <laughs> like and you just see all the kind of like you know it's obviously a puppet it's not her ankle but you see it all kind of flexing and moving and this, the amount of blood that comes out of it is just sickening like just pouring out of it it's the same when like uh, when Scott's a dead eye and Ash pushes his thumbs into Scott's eyes Oh, this... that scene. Oh, man. <laughs> Anything with eyes and feet or fingers. Ugh. And it's so like, Ugh. it's just like, it's, they just disappear into this, you know, prosthetics and like, you know, puppets and stuff like that. There's quite a few bits where it cuts like a, a paper mache head, which really remind me of us making films and stuff. Oh, yeah, um, we did that. <laughs> but like, yeah, they, they push it and there's so much like just goo comes out of his, his skull. And then like Ash pulls like a tree branch from Scott's leg because Scott gets attacked by trees as well. He pulls his tree branch from Scott's leg, and just the amount of You're blood... You're going to be okay, Scotty. You're going to be okay. And the he's amount like... of blood that comes out of his leg. It's like gallons. Oh, like... yeah. And he It looks like he kind of like... Um... Deflates. He deflates. deflates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Like, absolutely amazing. And it's sickening, but in like such a... It's... If you don't like enjoy horror movies, you don't get it. But it's sickening in a way that's pleasurable. It's sickening in a way that's like fun. It's sickening in a way that's really stupid. It's 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 something really appealing about it being so wild. It's not. It, it it's they're going. It is horrible. It is gruesome. But it's 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 over the top. It's silly and it's all and like I think my fun is that I enjoy them going for it as well as filmmakers. Like, mm. I enjoy watching them just going buck wild like. And that's really pleasurable to me. You know, that's really fun for me. Especially like the end when they all start melting and it's all stop motion. And, and, oh, I was and, gonna, and, well, obviously I was just going to bring that up. Well, go like, for it. Like, yeah. I think, like, I think it looks ace. I it, mean, I just, I just think it looks ace. It's such a great like texture to add yes, to it. Just to yeah. kind of. And um, another effect I love as well is in the second one, like Ash, everything happens a lot quicker for Ash. Like they kind of retell mm-hmm. the beginning bit. But they kind of cut out all the friends and his sister and stuff and just kind of just single on the relationship between him and his girlfriend. Yeah. But um, there's a scene in the f- that's kind of, again, they kind of do the same kind of scene, but a bit different. So in the first one, he's like looking in the mirror. Yes, that's such a good but effect. But he touches it and it's like water and it ripples and it just. His hand like, disappears I, it's into It's been a while it's since so I watched good. it. Yeah. And I was kind of expecting Ash to pop out again because yeah. that's what happens in this second one yeah. it's like a, his own reflection kind of comes out of him um but yeah like he touches the wall but i didn't i didn't see it coming like no. I, mean, I, I know i've seen it before but i just totally forgot and like it's just a nice little touch i really like that it's one of these films i've watched it you know drunk high whatever you know like late at nights and stuff like that it's 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 really weird to put it on it's been so well since so long since i watched it to watch it like afresh is so nice it's so like good and it really it really holds up i know you know we we've talked about the rape scene that's horrible like but the rest of the film really really holds up it really does um and it's it's just i i can't imagine watching this film in like 1982 i can't imagine how like it would have blown my mind you know compared to what else is coming out and stuff like that like, there's some really funny bits though, like so, like like the makeup, like in definitely in HD or 4K yeah, you, these days. Yeah, you you can see that where the seams are. Like they've got like fake fingernails on, and like whenever they're scratching people's legs, 
like people just kind of stand there, kind of shake their legs a little bit, like, oh, get off me, get off me. But they're like meant to be like tearing their legs up and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a um, bit where like the nails go across someone's face and the nails are just like loosely kind of brushing <laughs> and like bending, the nails themselves are bending. Yeah, totally. My f- my favourite bit though is like later on in the film and I, f- I forget who's trying to get back in. I think it might be, um, I, f- I forget now, but like, but Ash pushes Cheryl. like a chest of drawers against the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the window is already smashed open and we know that. <laughs> yeah, she's just still trying to get in through the door. She doesn't bother about this giant window to the side that she could easily get into. <laughs> but that's the kind of film logic that we would have done when we oh, were younger. Yeah. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, though. To be truthfully honest, it doesn't exactly. matter. Like, like, no, it doesn't matter. I don't need the deadite to have, like... Um, like perfect logical reasoning <laughs> it's like a possessed wild creature like i don't know like sure it just keeps smacking at the door why not like do you know it's it's fine <laughs> like it's not something to worry about and they didn't worry about it and i think it's for their credit that they didn't they just kind of but i think i also i think the reason you can say that as well is a credit to sam as well i think his kind of phonetic style the really kinetic style that he has he has such great, like, um, to you know, mise en scène. Like, he has such a great, like, mm. like grasp of like the 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 set and and where you're placed in it and the geography of the set. He gives you a little tour early. You know, Scott wanders around and gives you a little tour. But like, le- because like he's he moves the camera with such wild abandon, and the film's full of these like crazy Dutch angles and 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 movements of the camera. I can't remember if it's in the first one or second one, but there's a shot where the camera kind of goes over Bruce and twists at the same time. It's just a wonderful, right, yeah. wonderful shot. I think that'll like, probably be the second one. I think it's the second one, yeah. It's such like a wonderful shot that kind of like like sinks in. It's just a joy to watch. It's a joy to kind of be in the scene. It makes the whole set feel so much real because the camera's going anywhere, in a real sense going anywhere, not in like a mandolin, <laughs> the Mandalorian you know what? sense. It really is just like free wielding, you know. Like I totally forgot, like in the first one as well, that the the bridge they cross also closes up, like, up kind yeah. of tears up into like the hand shape as well. I mean, you don't see it as in that giant match shot that you do in the second, in the second one. one yeah. Like it's it's there, it's in there. And I come like, um, and the first one kind of finishes with the force, you know, the force camera angle when the it's smashing through the cabin and it goes all the way from the back door and it goes all the way and hits Bruce, um, and that's the end of the yeah. film, like. And at that point, basically, they were like, well, Ash dies then, you know, and that's the end of the film. So they have an idea about a film they can make as a sequel. They they call it The Medieval Dead, and that's what Sam has got in his mind. Um, but he's almost like, okay, I've done my horror film now. I'm going to do another film. And it's worth talking about this. Like, So his next film is called Crime Wave. And Crime it's, Wave, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was written by the Cone Brothers. <laughs> Like it's shot by Sam Remo. It stars um I think Bruce Campbell was meant to be the lead, but the studio kind of re edit the film and cut him out the lead, which is the big mistake. Um it's a, like an a, an adventure crime love story entertainment comedy thing, and it bombs. It bombs so hard that like to the point of like uh like Sam describes himself being in movie jail. Like he's never gonna be able to make another film, basically. And um that's when like they start thinking seriously about maybe we can do another Evil Dead. 
really. <laughs> well, dude, like, so so Crime Wave cost $2.5 million. They yeah. made $5,101. dollars <laughs> They made Ouch. less than it costs to make Evil Dead. Like, yep. it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It crashes so bad. And, like, I don't know if that feels... I've never seen it. I can't believe I haven't seen it, frankly, because of the Coen Brothers connection no, as well. But it, it, it sounds... Like, they blame the studio, but, I, you know... We'll see. I don't know if that's totally true. That it Just, might like it, it might happens be. to a lot of happens to a lot of filmmakers on their second film. Yeah. like you know, like you know, Kevin Smith made Clerks. Yeah. he was like the golden child, and then you know he made more rats as his follow up, and everyone's like, "What the fuck's this?" And I think, I mean, Tarantino kind of managed to avoid that trap. True, but like happens to a lot. I think it even happened to like Richard Linklater and stuff like that. They all had that kind of difficult second film. Which put it like a sophomore sophomore slump or whatever they call it. Yeah. Well, it's it was definitely his first blank check as well. I mean, 2.4 million dollar film after like what it was 22 yeah. years old or whatever he was. Um like coming off like a tiny weird horror film. That's that's a lot of like a lot of yeah. kind of like promise in him as a filmmaker. Yeah. It was distributed by Columbia. Yeah, so, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. It, it bombs anyway, and it bombs so hard that it almost like threatens to send like Sam Raimi back to like Michigan. So that's when like Dino. I imagine though, as soon as they as soon as they decide to do Evil Dead Two, I'm sure they pretty much write their own check then at that point because that's probably something that people really want them to do. Well, what's what actually and they get? And it's probably that like them going to going against the grain. Going, look, we don't want to do what we're supposed to do. We want to do what we yeah. want to do. Yeah, totally. But then. Well, what they get offered first is Dino De, De Laurentiis. I can always say his name wrong. Dino De Laurentiis. Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah. So he um he basically keeps badgering them about saying, "Come on, do Evil Dead Two. Come on, do Evil Dead Two. But um, but more, they actually want him. To, they actually want him to direct Thinner, uh, the Stephen King adaptation. So they go to Sam Raimi and ask him to direct Thinner, and Sam Raimi goes back to him and goes. I could do Evil Dead too, and Dino bites his hand off. Frankly, like, um, cause that's what <laughs> that's what he really wanted him to do. So, like, they pitched to him um, Medieval Dead, which ends up being the third film. And Dino's like, "No, that's shit." <laughs> like, like, um, um, so uh, he basically puts up. I think it's something like three point six million or something for Evil Dead Two, um, and says like, "No, do like." do do the film again frankly like do a sequel <laughs> um and at that point basically you know bruce sam and rob are basically all saying well i guess ash didn't die at the end of the film like we never we not necessarily dead from when the force hits him at the end of that film so we'll just pick up where we left off with the the deadite charging at Ash, basically. So, so do you think their original idea was meant to just have the deadites in medieval times, but without Ash or anyone like that? It was just going to be. It was going to be Ash, but about it was, the origins of the Book of the Dead or something like that. It kind of thing. was going to be Bruce and Ash somehow. Oh, it was. Yeah, but um, but it was going to be fully just a medieval thing. I don't know how they would have got there. I don't know if the Force at the end of the first film might have pushed Ash into the time tunnel or something. I don't know. Like, um, uh. But um, it definitely was. I think Bruce was meant to be in it, but it was definitely just meant to be set in the medieval times. Um, Maybe he was like you know in, in Bats the Future Three, where they all play like the the ancestors. Maybe he was meant to be like his great 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 great. Oh, maybe. Great, great, yeah, great, great, yeah, great, 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 maybe. Yeah. But I really respect Evil Dead Two for this because I think every time people make a sequel, especially like a low budget sequel, because you got to think this is nineteen eighty seven. Um, 
the film original film came out in 1982 ish 1981 uh wherever you were it was banned in a lot of places not this is going to get a cinema release you know they're aiming for like a, a like a theater release not everyone would have even seen evil dead one it was even though it made tons of money there might have been tons of people who didn't even get to see it it certainly maybe not even remembered it it wasn't like you know streaming services nowadays so they just make mm. the decision to kind of reshoot the original in the first 10 minutes of this film and just streamline it. There's no need to have five people go to the cabin, just have Ashley's girlfriend. I, I heard, no. though, I heard there was they, they weren't able to obtain... Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Because someone obviously bought the the rights or, you know, they pretty yeah, bought cause, the film, didn't they? Yeah, it's. I think it's all to do with Palace because they set up basically a fake production company to get it out, to, to get it out under the sensors and stuff like that so palace pictures or whatever they're called um i think there was rights issues tied up with that something so they just they could have just literally started the film with the camera hitting ash but they decide to just like re-show it you know like just re-streamline it and re kind of i think it's jig the film it's to its to its benefit because it, it doesn't feel like it's sh- it doesn't it feels quite naturally it doesn't feel yeah. like it's just a recap it feels like this is just you know, because Evil Dead 2 was the first one I saw, I think, yeah. when we were younger. And, like, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. You know? No. Even the first time I watched it, I didn't even think of those first 10 minutes, which is literally, like, the first film, as even being a recap or anything. To me, that was just the film. Um, that was just how it starts, you know, like... And I guess as well, when we were younger, we we were kind of accustomed to a lot of sequels not having anything yeah. to do with... The original, it was just kind of its own, like like Batman Returns. It's kind of its own standalone look. Sure, Batman Adventures. Sure. You know what I mean, or whatever. And um, that yeah. So they cut out all the ne- unnecessary stuff. Um, they cut out a lot of the um, the friends going to the cabin. They just have it as um, Ash and his girlfriend. Uh, interesting enough, Cheryl gets brought back into Ash versus the Evil Dead. She becomes a character back in the TV series. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, like in the in the film, they cut out Cheryl. Um, they do the best thing as well. They introduce other characters as well. Um, so, Baba Joe. Yeah, but my favorite Henrietta is such a good addition. So you've got like Cheryl in the kind of in the in the cellar oh, the grand, in the first the film. Mother. Yeah, and but to then change it to have like the old the wife of the archaeologist, you know, the old lady in the like the 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 witch in the cellar kind of thing. That's that's kind of taunting them the whole time. That's such a good addition, and it works so well in this film. And that was like, so this film, when this shoot has a lot more money, it's a lot more pleasure experience. They actually have a real set they can be on and stuff like that. I think they even have multiple well, sets. They built it in like, a school. Yeah, in a school. Yeah. Um, but the kind of the guy who suffers the most is Ted Rame, who um who plays <laughs> Henrietta. Uh, and that's that kind of latex suit that he wears. Um, it was incredibly heavy, and because it was basically a fat suit, really, um, and and just incredibly hot. And he, apparently, he was like sweating so much that in this film, when you you see shots of him, there's there's uh, or shots of Henrietta, there's like sweat pouring out of the gaps of the costume. You can see like sweat pouring <laughs> out of like the ears of Henrietta and stuff like that. And it's just Ted like suffering basically there's a bit where henrietta flies around the room and it's they just literally attached ted to like a rope basically and swing him around the well, you room. see the back of the costumes like split open <laughs> yeah. i think it's insane it's absolutely insane um 
the kind of what they do this time and we've we've been talking about it is the fact they kind of turn horror into comedy at this point and um the set pieces this time are kind of big gag things rather than scares um the best example i think is when the force comes for ash in the house and it turns into like a looney tunes (laughs) yeah and it spins him around yeah like what throws him against the tree and stuff no 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 in the in the middle of the film i mean like uh where it comes through in the house and he's running through the house with the force chasing him and it's like a kind of bugs bunny chase thing oh and he's ducking out the way and he's kind of like he's losing him and stuff it's brilliant like that cabin's got like so many little nooks and crannies. I don't understand why it's got all these like little thin kind of <laughs> passageways. I don't understand how that works. But, oh, it's kind of like the I mean, in between the, the walls, aren't they? At some point, like it's like the kind of like insulation crawl space or whatever. But like the one I was talking about is like so. As we were saying, so the the first film ends with the force thing coming after Ash. Yeah. So you've kind of got. I think it's about six minutes. Is it about six six minutes before that with the whole recap? It's about tenish, and six, then ten, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, something like that. Then the force comes from again, and then, at that point, that's kind of where the the first film ends. Yeah, and, then the, and the second film, film starts. starts. Absolutely, yeah. Which I never really like, honestly it, until this watch, I didn't really clock that. I have to be honest, I didn't really realize yeah. it was that simple. But the way it picks him up and he's like spinning around and there's like branches hitting him in the face. You know Sam Raimi's the one hitting him in the face with those branches. <laughs> and like, but apparently he was on this rig for like a whole day, like because they shot it at like super slow speeds and stuff. And then like, right. kind of, I was know. watching that, that going, I don't understand how they even shot that. If I'm honest, because like what I wanted to get to was like, so he then he hits the floor and like. And into a puddle and that. And he gets up and he's like become like he's possessed. I don't yeah. know, a dead eye or whatever. But his the makeup is fantastic. Yeah. And there's this great shot. It's like they built this massive head with this massive eye. They've obviously like they can push smoke into the eye and stuff like that or suck it yeah. out or whatever. It looks awesome it the way like his eye changes. I mean it it looks like a puppet with this yeah, giant sure. fake hand and that. Which is fine. But I love it. It's just it's perfect. It is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And like and it's that moment when he wakes up, you know, possessed. That uh, the film takes on just a whole new, a whole new kind of attitude, really, a whole new mold. It's just, it's wild, you know, and it's it's untamed and it's silly as well. And I just absolutely love it. And there's so much physicality from from Bruce Campbell. Oh yeah, um, his 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 physical acting in this is like is it's impec. It's just it's top. It's you can't get any better than you it. Can't really. get like, any better. like the way he is when his hand gets possessed. <laughs> it's just it's so good. I was uh But that's that scene when he's like sitting in the uh in the cabin with the um with all the kind of like the lamp laughs at him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. turns on him like like he's playing that song with to Linda earlier on on the piano. Yeah. And then the the cabin starts mocking him with that same song, like playing it to him <laughs> and stuff like that, and like kind of torturing him and stuff it's so good yeah it's the whole like why are you torturing me from the first film but just amped up like in such yeah. a, such a great degree and the whole just cabin then takes on like a personality the cab at that point the cabins become like an icon you know and, oh, and it's yeah yeah it's why to this day people are visiting where they shot and stuff like that and things it's it's you know, i know an obsessed with, it is like, a cliche to say the location is a character but in this film it 100 percent is it is this, yeah like, yeah 
The second, the first one, not so much, but no. this cabin in the in the second film, it's like a living entity. Yeah, isn't it? like yeah. so much so that it, like the trees are cl- like walking by the end and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the whole surrounding area like becomes alive and stuff. It becomes what it becomes like a cartoon. It becomes wild, um, and it's it's definitely what made me adore this film. Like I know that like when they were shooting it and developing it, they knew Bruce Campbell could flip himself. Uh, it was a trick that he'd do at parties all the time, basically. Like. So they were basically writing it, okay, we're going to write Bruce flip himself. And how do we get there? Well, what if his hand's possessed? And what if he's fighting with his hand? And I bet, you know, oh. I bet Bruce could fight with his hand. Yeah, I bet he could. Let's just write him, him like, fighting with his hand then. Like, like The way his hand pulls himself across the floor, you <laughs> feel like that that hand is not Bruce Campbell. No. <laughs> Bruce Campbell is passed out on the floor and that hand is its own thing, just pulling him along. To get to the, what is he trying to get to? Is it trying to get to the chainsaw? Is it the chainsaw, the knife or something? Yeah. And then he gets the plate. Or is that after the plates when he's like smashing himself? In it actually might be the plates bit. It's so good. It's so funny. And like, um, apparently it's Sam voicing the uh, hand. You know, those little noises. It's like that. <laughs> like, oh, it's so I love that hand character. It's probably why we keep writing hand characters into Hand stuff. characters, yeah. <laughs> We've done way too much. <laughs> actually, no, not enough. That's the truth. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I get. I mean, was this a reference to kind of like the Adams family? Do you reckon? Or something yeah, like maybe. That, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that obviously the 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 joke everyone talks about. You know, when he cuts off his arm, cuts off his hand with a chainsaw, and there's so much blood squirting in Bruce Campbell's face, which is amazing. And he puts it under a bucket, and then the book that goes on top book. is the <laughs> farewell to arms. That is just <laughs> but when that happens. That is yeah, okay. That's five stars. Well done. You've you made a picture. <laughs> you made a good. But picture. it's the fact. <laughs> it's the fact the hand goes into like a mouse hole, like a purpose, like proper, like Tom and Jerry, like the arch, yeah. like mouse hole in this. You know what I mean? It's like giving them the finger and stuff like that. And it's like when the hand comes back and it's like, oh, you, <laughs> like, it's back. Like, how dare you? Like, Ash is like, such, like, he's such, like, adaptable character. Like, no matter what happens, he's invested into it. And I just love oh, that yeah. about Ash as a character. Like, no matter what ridiculous stuff happens, Ash is like, oh, God, this is happening now? Jesus, like, you know, and he's angry about it and annoyed that he's having to take it on and stuff. It's They amp that up in the third film, I know we're not talking about it, but, like, when the little kind of, the little ashes attack him, and it's a proper just <laughs> the Gulliver's travel. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's just like they amp it up and amp it up that this character can just adapt and take on whatever happens. Like Bruce Campbell always described Ash as like even in the first film as an idiot, uh, because who goes to the, who stays in this cabin? Like, like who goes? This is where we go. He's a lot like Homer like, Simpson. Like yeah. in the first one, he's he's pretty much like a normal guy. Homer's like a normal guy, yeah, and sure. then just suddenly devolves into this kind of imbecile that just. How does this person even function? And I love the kind of there's no there's no like catchphrases in the first film. There's none of it. None of it. And if if you ask anyone about Evil Dead and Ash, they're gonna say like groovy, they're gonna say hail to the king, and they're gonna say this is my boomstick, you know. Like you medieval like medieval fuckheads whatever the term he uses, like workshed. You know, workshed, yeah, like um it's wonderful. And the fact that like I don't know, like, self-parody isn't, like, unusual, but the fact that, like, self-parody became this franchise and became the most loved thing about this franchise is just wonderful. It's it's a really mark to how brilliant Evil Dead 2 is. And it's it's one of the, it's one of those, I think this is better than the original, you know, like, it is one of those. Oh, I, I, I do, like, I just look like, you know, so he cuts off Linda's head 
and like it's attached to his like it bites onto his hand. <laughs> yes. And the way he's running around with his head attached to his hand and he's like <laughs> and he puts her in the vice. And then oh, obviously yeah. she's rigged vice, up in yeah. this crazy device that's kind of like it's a fake device that's kind of applied around. It looks so good. It does look so good. Like and then, so yeah, that must yeah, fake vice around her head, yeah, sure. I would it was wondering how and then and then he goes to get the chainsaw, and then that fucking puppet comes in and just starts <laughs> cutting himself. But before that, oh, like, that you see Linda. So like, after, yeah. After he's buried Linda, he sees her come back alive out of the grave. Yeah, with a Ray Harry like house. Stop motion. But it's like a ballet dance. Yeah. And it's so. Like, it's the, the, actual, the animation is actually really good. But yeah. my favorite bit is at the end where it kind of goes, ah, <laughs> <and> it, like, <laughs> just leaps off and just fades into the black. It's like, what the fuck? It's so weird. <laughs> it's so stupid, and it's just it's that it's that like manic energy that makes this film so much fun to watch, and it's what inspired I don't know bloody everybody that saw this film was inspired by it in the eighties. I swear, like I don't know the actual timeline, but Peter Jackson. Um, was oh, he hundred percent must have like for bad taste. That must yeah, have been, and like brain dead and brain dead. Like, and, like I, I like don't know if Meet the dead. Feebles. I can't remember when Meet the Feebles came out. Um, if it's before Evil Dead Two or not, let me just check. 1989, no, yeah, so... Yeah, Bad Taste is 87, Meet the Fables is 89, yeah, it's absolutely... Like, like, I like Brain Dead, but I don't think it has the smarts that this film has. No. Do you no, know what I mean? No, it's, no. it's kind of a bit one note. Yeah, sure. And, like, sure. it's got good gore and stuff like that in it, but it's, it's not as yeah. clever as this film. It's absolutely great. Uh, it's it, This film's in, remarkable. And, like, it's... I want to talk a little bit about it. Like, it, it works because of Bruce Campbell, and I think, like weirdly enough like Bruce Campbell gets a lot of praise I'm not going to say that he gets no praise he gets a lot of praise he's like you know we allude to early he's a best-selling author you know he's he's shown up in tons of stuff he might not have like you know Oscar winning career but he's like um a prolific actor in both like TV and film like he's people people follow he's one of the early people to probably make that kind of like con circuit stuff you know really work for someone um but I think like him in this film is is just one of those performances that I love. Caught like how didn't you do this in the first film? You know what I mean? Because he's so he's like it's like a career of like a dancer who's watched who spent his whole life watching like Three Stooges sketches and knows he can do it, but just needs like the platform to show that he mm. can do this. And I think like I I think you feel that energy from him, that fun from him coming through the kind of film as well. Like it it, it grabs you into it because. Bruce Campbell's so all-encompassing. Like, this whole film is almost just him, you know, and the later on the like, kind of other characters come in, but it's mainly it's, him carrying it. But he he's, he's he kind of does, like, a Nick Cage kind of performance in this. Like, sure. It's just so full-on. And it just makes me wonder, like, how... Like, I, I love them both, don't get me wrong. Like, how did he not get the career that Nick Cage had? Do you know what I mean? Like, how right. come he didn't get to become the Oscar winner and stuff? Because I'm sure he's probably got it in him. Yeah, but yeah. like, it's just yeah, I love it. Like he's got I I love like his role in Hudsucker Proxy. I think is amazing. Um, he plays Schmitty. What's he the in reporter. Is he like a? Isn't he like a journalist? Yeah, he plays the other reporter. It's an absolute bit role, That's but he it, does yeah. it. He does it with such like like panache that it, it just I always sinks in my head. Like that performance, he's probably doing that kind of cigar chomping, like "Hey, how are you doing?" Like kind of stuff. Like he's probably like sunk into it. I always remember him in, in like the Spider-Man films. 
Like it's such good cameos to the point that like what? all all the fans were saying that he might be chameleon or something or what? Mysterio. Was no, it? I think I th- I think he was like there's, there are um, uh, storyboards that Mysterio will be would have been uh, Bruce Campbell in the fourth film. Such I, a I, good the, idea. Apparently so. Yeah, sure. And I think yeah. that would have been great, but you know. I love the fact that his character in the second film is Snooty Usher. It's, it's the best character name. <laughs> and he's... I like his line in the third one, I am very French. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love him in the third film. He nails the scene he's in. It, like Almost it needs more of him, like the third film does. Um, and like we talked about earlier, like Bubba Hotep. If you've never... Like everyone should watch Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep is like... A, it's... It's it's a it's a it's like it's from the mold of Evil Dead, like it is mm. because it, it's giving something. What I love, what I love about films like Pepper Hotep, and when you talked about like the Sam Elliott film earlier as well, I love taking something that's ridiculous and treating it with heart. And I think my favorite thing about Pepper Hotep is the story of like Elvis and JFK, who neither of them are Elvis or JFK, but they believe they are. So that so they are. I- Hang on, I always I always thought that Elvis was actually Elvis. Well, you don't know. Like they're both old people. I always thought that he was. They're both old people living in like an old people's home, you know? Like they both have their reasons for why they're the famous people, but there's no confirmation of it. But they're both performances, Oddie Davis and Bruce Campbell, performances are so much full of heart that but halfway through you're like, Yeah, okay, you that's root Elvis for them anyway. And JFK. Yeah. There is. Like and and they need to save the world or save this old people's home from this mummy, you know, that are killing them all. The ass, the was ass, it the ass sucking yeah. mummy. <laughs> it's utterly ridiculous, That's... like it is, but it's done with such like genuine like love and just genuine care. And both the performances, Bruce as well, is done with such like you know such attention that it works on such a great level. It's such a good film, like. Yeah, hundred percent. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's by um, what's his name, Don Don Cossarelli, and yeah. he, like he did the Phantasm series and Beastmaster and stuff. Did he do John Dies at the end as well? He did. did he yeah, direct that. He did. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame they never got the because they always said they were going to do um, Bubba Nosferatu, yeah. <laughs> and every time they kept talking about it, they were saying Paul Giamatti was going to be in it, who I think ended up being in John Dies at the end. But oh, then, sure. But like nothing ever happened. It does, yeah. It's it sits as this weird like curio, really, doesn't it? Of this weird film that popped out at some point that actually is really good, um, but never made a sequel or anything. I was super excited for um, the film that Bruce Campbell ended up making. Called was it I Am Bruce? My name is, is Bruce. My name is Bruce. My name is Bruce. And like when when the that first, I think we were at school when that first idea was being touted. Probably. Like you know, yeah. that bunch of people hire. The, I think the original idea was that a bunch of people... It's almost like Galaxy Quest. Like yes, people it is hire, like think Quest, Bruce yeah. Cam- they They get Bruce Campbell to kill a monster because they think he kills monsters in real life because they've seen the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. But, like... And I was thinking, well, you know, he must have learned a lot from Sam Raimi and stuff like that. But that film just... It was it's very flat. Such a shame. It? Yeah. It's, it's it, like That film could have been something. Like I yeah. watched Galaxy, Galaxy Quest was on TV the other day. That film works like absolute gangbusters. It's so well done. Yeah. And I thought a film like that with Bruce Campbell, but in a horror setting, would have been amazing. And it, it would just, have, yeah, it absolutely, it, it, it just, feels like it's, a it's no such brainer. a wasted potential. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. 
maybe in the hands of say if like you know they, the director of um Bubba Hotep did it do you know what I mean it yeah, might have been something yeah. a bit more someone who had a bit more vision which is a shame because you'd have thought Bruce Campbell would know what he was doing but because didn't he direct Man with a Screaming Brain as well yeah he did I think which yeah. is alright actually yeah it's it bet- just it comes across they come across very televisual and a bit cheap yeah sure and I don't Whereas I think, and even the same budget in the hands of someone else, they could have probably got something a bit more out of it. Right, 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 uh, right. Maybe pushed him in a direction, pushed him in a way that he. And where you just need to see, like, looking at like the Evil Dead TV show, which he was greatly involved with. Um, I don't know. I think he probably directed some episodes. I haven't actually looked that up, but um, it's that that TV show is so much fun. Um, and it's so much energy to it, and it's so silly. Um, that there's so much you can do with with Bruce Campbell on screen and and these characters mm-hmm. that there's a reason why you know I said it at the beginning it's such a weird franchise to be like as big as it is but there's something so endearing about Ash Williams there's something so endearing about this like like dumb guy who's just really good at killing these weird zombie things <laughs> it's so and like and just being able to take anything on the chin you know like just being able to kind of t- whatever kind of ridiculous scenarios going on both both bruce campbell and you know that therefore the character ash just take it as face value they don't like they they're winking you know tongue-in-cheek at the screen but but they're kind of accepting whatever ridiculousness is going on the ash vs evil dead like series is just full of that but with then like genuine hearts you know there's genuine like pathos about like kind of what's going on and it just there's a reason why I think people keep keep falling in love with this series and falling in love with these characters. Really, was were they actually gonna? You know, uh, was it Freddy versus Jason? Was the yeah. sequel actually for that really gonna be Freddy versus Jason versus Ash? Was that a genuine? Yes, it was genuine movie. Um, I know. I, I, well, from what I understand, because I was trying to read up on this today, um, is that Rob Tapper and Sam Raimi basically decided not to do it. Uh, because they thought it oh, would okay. cheapen their brand. Uh, because oh, okay. they'd always wanted to do an Evil Dead 4, you know, but they were both having huge Hollywood careers, you know, like, well, maybe not Rob Tabbert. I don't know. But Sam at least was directing <laughs> Spider Man films, you know? Um, he was doing, he was, you know, he was reinventing what a superhero film was, you know? Like, uh, so he wasn't really just going to make Evil Dead 4 at that point. But I think they were concerned about put if they put Ash into this franchise, then they'll never get to do an Evil Dead 4, was their thinking. So it was their own choice not to do it. Well, going back to Spider-Man, though, like, I th- without that film, and I think maybe Batman Begins, you wouldn't have had, like, Iron Man because they pretty no. much copied Sam's template and yeah. Christopher Nolan's template and mashed them together. Absolutely. And that's, that's the MCU, isn't it, really? And just, he's such a good fit for Spider-Man. I, I like... There's a bit in Evil Dead 2 when the camera is kind of paving over the roof of the cabin. And after each, like, timber it passes, there's a noise on camera. It goes oh, well, like... It does it in the first one, one but it in the first does one it better well. in the second one. Yeah. And, like, that's such a... Like, I know it sounds like a little thing to say, but for the camera to be making a noise that doesn't exist for anything else but the camera moving like is such a weird decision um but it just speaks to the way that like he has this 
kineticness to the camera, like just like this kind of wildness to the camera. Like it's not a character. I'm not, I wouldn't say that, but it's it's notable and it's fun. And th- the idea of just taking Sam Raimi's character and sorry, Sam Raimi's like camera and then attaching a spider web thwip to it and letting it fly through New York is like a no brainer. Like, of course, he was perfect to direct Sp- Spider Man. But, like, I even remember the announcement that the Evil Dead guy is going to do Spider-Man. People were losing their mind, you know? Like, they they would just didn't know what this would be. Because, like, Spider-Man's not horror. It basically was their, like, opinion of it. But we talk about Spider-Man a lot. But, yeah, like, it's, it seems like there's no brainer to let him do that. And it works so well. I love the bit, though, where um, Henry's head pops out and it's kind of already turns this weird kind of, like, skull monkey thing. Yeah. It slams down on yeah, it yeah, yeah. and the eye pops out. They like travels across oh, the screen, yeah. <laughs> which I think we try eye- to we try to copy in one of our films and have it land in a snooker, in a you know in, in the a net- snooker pocket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's did right. Yeah, did you did that? Did we actually do that? Yeah, or not? we yeah we did that shot in the film. No one's ever seen it because we <laughs> never <laughs> put the film out. But yeah, we did film it. <laughs> I think I remember somewhere like when they were shooting that film, they had a like a specific setup or specific camera setup just for that eyeball. Oh something. yeah, there was I'm sure. like like something incredibly accurate for, for it. For ours, well, I think we had you on the floor, and I think we had a had you lying on a skateboard, and you were just holding it up on a stick. Yeah, and then someone just pulled the skateboard, and I think it just fell off every time. <laughs> <laughs> and like it never looked straight; the the eyeball it just kept wobbling around. <laughs> <laughs> but it just uh, goes to show how like influential these films are that we just like there's so much to mine from in this film well, the, yeah this, absolutely this you know and um that's like it just there's some such wild like creativity in this like and i guess like we're not really talking about the plot because it doesn't massively matter because it's just a, it's like a film full of like just moments you know like and these these kind of crazy set pieces or um like set up gags and and bits of like prosthetic and bits of gore and things like that with just bruce campbell being thrown about through them it's it's so just delightful to watch and and it was um i mean that translated it was a huge hit you know it was a huge hit that's kind of lasted as well. Well, I mean, he's kind of, like they they gave Ash like you know like how Indiana Jones has got that kind of silhouette of like the the, the hat and then the, the whip in the hand, or you got Batman with the horns. You've kind of got yeah. Ash with the chainsaw hand and the boomstick like on his shoulder. Like you just see yeah, that. Yeah, the you, blue you saw shirt a silhouette and the kind of, of straps. But even if you yeah. just saw a silhouette of it, you know that's Ash mm. like straight away. Mm. Like the moment, like right. the moment he goes back to the workshop to kind of. To fit to make this arm rig for his, yeah, for his hand, and he goes into the. I can't remember if he's at that point. He's already kind of turned into the the monster version of him again. Yeah, he has. So, yeah. so you get this whole thing where he's in the cellar. He gets possessed. He starts killing them. Um, Bobby Joe gets dragged into the ki- cellar. Does he kill? I don't think he kills anyone as as evil Ash though. Does he? I think he does kill someone. I don't think he? so. I'd, or does someone kill she, someone else thinking it's him? Or yeah, she like that? she kills Jake with the big that like yeah, okay, skull yeah. the skull um, dagger thing. Yes, that's or right. At yeah. least stabs him in the chest with it. 
And then Ash know, then like, finds the... The, uh, the Linda's uh, necklace and that kind of... That's what changes him back, yeah. Turns him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, I don't know, um, but it does. The power of love. The power of I love. I don't know. <laughs> it's because Ash is so... Uh, he's got such personality. He can force himself out of the kind of possession. Um, but yeah, so that after kind of he get he sees the necklace, that's when he modifies the chainsaw and they yeah. they attach it to the like the stump, which... I just love how like it's it's I think they even say this. It's an absolutely thing they just had in their head. They had this image of a guy with a chainsaw attached to his hand and they wanted to put it in the film. No matter how impractical and heavy that would be to have a chainsaw there. Or how like it'd be so hard to swing it or whatever. Oh, it doesn't matter at all. Like I, it just doesn't I love matter how at all. Video gamey it gets when he goes into the cellar. Like the cellar can't be that big, but they're going in there to kind of get all the pieces of the pa- you know, the pages of the book. Yeah. They're just collecting the trans the translated pages, yeah. Because it comes a race to kind of read the pages to send to banish the deadites, which is different from the first film. Because the first one, they just kind of burn the book. He just throws the book. Of... I love that though, because yeah. we we actually ripped that off in our film. Because you had, if I remember, you had like the audio, you had a DVD of the one of the Evil Dead films, and it was like a rubberized version of oh, the yeah, book yeah, of yeah, the yeah, Dead, yeah, yeah, yeah. which we yeah. used a lot in our film. And I even yeah. created a a stop motion version of the. Like yeah, the plastic version of the, of the book. book. The, the tongue came yeah. out and everything. <laughs> God, we just robbed My everything. God, yeah. <laughs> Stole everything. Yeah, we even called our main character everything. Ash. So, yeah, I mean, our main character was called Ash when Ash we were making horror films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had Ash Williams in a film that was just like a teen drama or whatever the hell that film yeah. was. Like, um, we, like it's just like we, we need a character in our film called Ash. That's how it works. Like because Ash is the best thing that exists. <laughs> <laughs> what we didn't have is an Oldsmobile. Oh Never yes, put an Oldsmobile in the car, which shows up in this a lot, and it shows up in the second one. I mean, the third one more. Well, I love like it. A... You, you do you see it get sucked in in this one? I can't remember. Yes, you, you do. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. The end of this film is they kind of they end up reading the port uh, reading all the translation. A portal appears that starts sucking everything through it to get rid to banish the deadites, and um, and then it spits them out in, in like thirteen hundreds medieval Europe or something, <laughs> and um, so yeah, at, like it spits out the car and the car goes crashing to the ground, and then followed by Ash going crashing to the ground as well, and it's such a wonderful finish, like. Because there's this kind of harpy kind of deadite that's kind of flowing around, flying around, like terrorizing these knights, and um, Ash kind of like in like a heroic kind of like hero moment, like pulls out the gun and and just like blows it away out of the sky, um, with the kind of um, and with the kind of like uh, just like they they all kind of run round him, hailing him as like the new hero for the, the era, don't they? And he kind of breaks down like a no. You, like why am I stuck here? Kind of, and they they that, do the same thing. in... if this film was made now, that that would have been after the credits. It would, uh, ah, yeah. absolutely would have been. Yeah, I love it as um, well though when they, he when he's just before he gets like there's that weird monster with all the heads of like all the people that died in the film and stuff. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's he gets that grey streak and it's like a stop motion effect. Oh, where they kind stop of, motion graying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so good. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's so good. Um, but yeah, I was going to say the funny thing about the ending of this film is then they reshoot it for the opening of the next film. So like, what I really like about all three of these films is that each one of them reshoots 
the uh, the first. It gets first shorter one. and shorter each time, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. is it like it's a famous person plays Linda in the third one, isn't it? It's um, is it yes, Bridget it's Fonda? It's Jane Fonda. Jane... Bridget Fonda. Sorry, not Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> Bridget Fonda. Which is very weird. Like, uh, very and then weird she ended up happens. marrying um, Danny Elfman, didn't she? Who I think did at least some of the score for Army of Darkness. Oh, did he? I didn't so know. Definitely that. some. Yeah. Like, everyone meets everyone through Bruce Campbell. Uh, Bill. <laughs> who? Bill? What? <laughs> everyone meets everyone through Sam Raimi, I think. <laughs> and, like, yeah, we, we won't talk about the third one because I think maybe end of the time we probably could do the third one, frankly, because we're doing the 80s. We're concentrating on the 80s. Yep, this. yep. Um, but uh, the just as you said at this, right at the beginning, the, the kind of way that you can track 80s filmmaking through Evil Dead is perfect for our, like, setup for our miniseries, I think. Like, the film opens with this kind of, you know, grindhouse 70s horror, which is very cut back, very washed out, very yeah. very visceral, very gory. Grainy, um, kind of, yeah. Grainy as well. It's, it's you know, it's boosted up 16 mil, I think. I think yeah, probably, I think, yeah. I think. Um, so it has that kind of very tangible, like, look to it. Um then the then then by the time you get to 1987, which like towards the end of the 80s, <laughs> it's just excess. Yeah, it, it's just it's big, it's loud. It's not just a horror film; it's a franchise at this point. You've got a lead character that's that it's a merchandisable character that, as you say, recognisable silhouette. You know, costumable. You could play this character in Halloween. Um, it, he can sell toys with his face based on it. He's got catchphrases. You know, he says, I think you start getting the catchphrases through this. It gets more in the third film, but you start getting groovy. You start getting like um, lines that he screams in this. You start getting things like the hand as a separate character and stuff. You talked about it earlier, but when the mirror attacks him in this, rather than the first film, he just mm. got a creepy like like mirror effect in this one. There's a second ash come through it. All that starts happening in this film. And it's such a product of 80s filmmaking that is such like a microcosm of, of what the 80s does to filmmaking that pushes everything through this kind of like money, merchandise, franchise, characters, like excess and gloss as but, well. But like, like what you were saying, when you introduced, you said, you know, there's board games, there's comic books, there's, there's, yeah. there's a bloody stage show of it, there's video games. But it felt like it was door like for almost ten years. It was very quiet until maybe the mm, late nineties, mm. and probably just people caught up to it, or something happened. Maybe DVD or something. But like, maybe that was I when it, maybe Evil Dead was like maybe it was like it was first released uncut or something. I don't know. But like, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's basically when like it got dropped from any censorship acts. It started getting releases, and and people were desperate to own it. They wanted to own it, and they—I don't know another film that's got so many editions of it oh, yeah. released. You know, like, like as you say, I had that edition, which is like the Necronomicon in a rubber book and 4K steelbook special editions recuts. Like, like uh, there's—I think there's four Ks of this film is incredible. Like, I know, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it just they keep pushing out, and there's such a vigor. And this is the bet. This is you know, like. It's why the horror community is wonderful because they love this stuff, you know. Like they're such, they're such like um, they're great fans, you know. Like they 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 want stuff and they want they want to own it, and they want to support it, and they want to like, and they want to help it because they want more stuff of that to be made, you know. And Evil Dead just, I don't know how, but it managed to ride that. As you say, it was dormant. At some point, it managed to ride it and really become like a franchise that I think for us we were properly on that like wave. 
it, they managed to start spitting everything out in a, in when we were like teenagers that wanted it, you know, and we were, were interested in it and, and and made us want to make films as well. More than anything else, I think. But it's weird because it still lies on the fringe of, like, you know, you've got your Halloween and your, you know, uh, Friday the 13th, which, you know, there's still, like, Halloween's still being made and it's still, you know, whenever it comes out, it's like the number one film in the box office and stuff. Why didn't Evil Dead, why is it always, like, just been, like, do you know what I mean? It's always just kind of, it's never... It's 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 kind of still like it, it's kind of still what's the word it kind of still like maintains that cultiness to it doesn't it like it's still it's never gonna not be culty um it's gonna always hit that target no matter how much gets released and i know computer games coming out next year did you Is see the a... trailer for that no 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 that literally three days ago there was a trailer for the evil dead computer game that's coming out next year like and it looks like it's i think it's merchandising itself as a proper sequel like evil dead 4 or whatever um, I remember the one you had on the PlayStation, and it was like I think it was almost like Resident Evil set camera angles, and it was yeah. just it was unplayable. <laughs> you can... It was unplayable. <laughs> I'm not saying this computer game would be good, but they keep making stuff about it. It's called Evil Dead the game. Actually, it's I meant to be coming out this year, but it's it's you know PlayStation Five, Xbox XS, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, Microsoft Windows. Like it's it stars Bruce Campbell. It stars um. Dana De Lorenzo from the TV show. It stars Ray Santiago from the TV oh, show. Nice. So it's uh, it's meant to be like a. It's got cooperative play and player verses and stuff. So it's meant to be like a proper sequel. Um, I don't know. It might be good. It might be it's, not good. It's, but also, it's not even the point. It's just like this is what Evil Dead is. It's it, a franchise that in some way will keep publishing. But also, it's a horror franchise that's not like sold on its villain. It's sold on its hero, which is totally hero. It's the complete opposite of what every other horror franchise yeah. is about. Which is why it would have been perfect to do um, Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. I yeah. get, I get their point about diluting the franchise, but I actually think it wouldn't have mattered. Um, although I don't know, I mean, both Freddy and Jason haven't been able to just continue their story. That they've both had to go through like gritty remakes. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the only way it can happen with Evil Dead, but I don't know. The re- um, it's worth mentioning they did do a remake in 2013, though it's not actually a remake. It's it's just a, it's, it's again another sequel, really. And it's it, it didn't really make any money. It didn't really it wasn't it didn't have the fun of Evil Dead in it. It's a ve- it's a very but, fine line of of it being a comedy but still being totally horrible at the same time like you know yeah, yeah just being like just full of like i think if you have if the violence is too realistic in it, it it kind of it needs to be like you said earlier it needs to be like a cartoon but at the same time yeah. still look horrific i don't know it, like it's a balance that i think only sam raimi can really yeah can really do i think you might be right even when like i love the tv show but it doesn't it it plays up more of the kind of cartoony aspects of it than like than like the films do really it, it sinks into the kind of you said it earlier like homer simpson the flander flanderization of kind of like ash's character mm. of him just being a complete joke it plays up to that more than the, like than you expect but yeah it's i mean talking to sam remy like he hasn't done a film in forever it's almost and, been 10 years 
Like I think by the time yeah. by the time Doctor Strange comes out, it will be like ten years. I think ten years because Oz. I never saw Oz. I saw Drag Me to Hell, but I never saw Oz. I like, um, Drag Me to Hell felt like he's the closest thing he's done to Evil Dead since well, yeah, Evil Dead did. Two really. And I actually quite yeah. enjoyed it to be fair. I thought it was a good film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Like too, I remember, yeah. um, I was with my friend Mark Breeze, and he turned around to me and he goes, "Am I supposed to be laughing at this?" And I was like, "Hundred percent, of course you are." Yeah. Yeah, There's a fucking yeah. laughing goat on the table talking with them like as they're like <laughs> doing the seance thing. But as you say, it's this perfect mix of this is funny but also horrible, and it's that doesn't exist in many places outside of Bruce. Uh, sorry, outside of um, Sam. Yeah. Um. So I'm very in. Like it's it seems like an absolute just. It seems ridiculous that it's taken this long to get him to do a Marvel film. Um. And he wasn't even the original director for Doctor Strange, so. Well, was it meant to be the so, original like, director? I can't. I can't remember who it was. Scott was Derrickson, I think, maybe? is that his name? Scott Derrickson. Yeah. Okay. Was that it? Was that who it was meant to be? Well, he did the first one, um, so I assume he was meant to do the second one. But they announced it as like they even announced it as like a horror sequel as well, and people were even then thinking, well, why not get Sam Raimi to do it then? <laughs> um, I got a feeling. I don't know. But yeah, like I think Sam Raimi being picked for that is perfect. Um I hope Bruce Campbell turns up. I think it'd be really disappointing if he doesn't turn up. I have to say, like, even if it's just a quick cameo, I'll be I'll be looking for it. But um I'm interested to see what Sam does. You know, like mm-hmm. I love I love these Evil Dead films. I love the Sp- Spider Man films. I I'm really interesting seeing what Doctor Strange is. And, you know, what he is, you know, in modern filmmaking, as you say, it's been ten years. So I wonder we'll why. What, I wonder see what he's got. I wonder what has stopped him from directing in the last ten years. Like, is it just projects have not turned out, or is he just kind of like just enjoying himself? Like, yeah, know. who's to? Yeah, I, I don't. I have absolutely no clue. I don't know if he's he tried to get some started and it didn't work for him. I don't know. I really, really don't know. It's weird. Like, um, I don't know. <laughs> Sam's a weird guy. I think to be honest. Yeah, because I think other than the Spider Man, yeah, so he did the three Spider Man films, Drag Me to Hell, and then Oz, I think. Is that it? I think in the last 20 years. Yeah, basically. That's crazy. I am looking here. There was, he was attached to a couple of things over the years, but um, they, they all seem to just peter out. I have so. a feeling he was on the shortlist of the Hobbit films. I feel like that was a thing. That makes sense, especially with Del Toro doing it. Mm first um that would have been interesting if anything it would have been interesting i'd, I'd love to seen del toro do those films to be honest yeah <laughs> whatever i feel like sam's never gonna make something completely boring mm. no so i like and, oz wasn't great if i'm honest it was it, it i've heard that like it, it it sam didn't come through in that film for me like I don't, sure so i'm just interested because that was a disney film obviously uh, Doctor Strange is a Disney film. I'm just interested to see how far he can go with that. Like, yeah, because he did some great yeah. stuff with Spider-Man. Like, there's that one sequence when Doctor Octav- Octavius wakes up on the table. And it's such an Evil Dead sequence where, like, yes, all the you know his arms come alive and they've all got like his arms have all got different personalities and stuff like that. And they're kind yeah, of, like, all merging all the the doctors around him and stuff. And just attaching the cameras to his. You know, to hit to the limbs of Doctor Octopus and yeah. Spider Man himself is such—it's such genius. It's—it feels like something that's obvious, but 
it is such genius the way he does it and um i mean spider-man 2 i think we talk about spider-man 2 a lot but i think it's a perfect <laughs> yeah film. it's great like I, I do like and so i'm i'm just i'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with doctor strange and just really hoping that it's you know something good i want people to make good films you know <laughs> i want people to make good films <laughs> that's crazy I just have, that's crazy I have, I, I never go into something going, oh, I'm bored of this. I don't want it to be good. I want it to be good. I want things to be good. Yeah, like, 100%. Is there any more thoughts about Evil Dead? Like, so, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I just of... wanted to mention the music briefly because like, the first one is kind of almost like the music sounds... I was listening to it and I was like, this reminds me of something. And it kind of reminded me of Cats. It's kind of got that weird <laughs> synth kind of music. And then the second one, it's kind right. of... It, so the second one has more of like that, like that kind of like vaudevillian yeah. kind of stuff going on through it, like now and again and stuff like that. The, the same guy did the both scores though. It's um, what's his name? It's uh, what the fuck's the name? Where's it gone? Oh, Joe Lud- Joe Ludka Lodka Ludka. Okay, yeah. yeah, and he did all three of them. I don't know if he did the third one because the okay. I know that the March of the Dead, the actual music was written. That theme was written by Danny Elfman. He didn't do the whole score, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You said yeah, yeah. Army of Darkness. Let's have a look. Music by yeah, same guy. Same and the, guy. Cool. the third one was actually the cinematographer was Bill Pope on that one, who then did like the Matrix films, and I think at least the two the se- the two Spider-Man sequels. So he, okay, cool. And like you know, he brings his like Ivan Rimey wrote those, and I think he may have worked on some of the other uh, Evil Dead films and stuff. So he kind of has kept. He kind of kept like a, a little crew together. Like, yeah. Little crew, yeah. It's so interesting to me the way they came up with the Coen Brothers as well. Like I know Hudsucker Crime Wave, Crime Wave counts, but like I know the Hudsucker is the only time that really after they both got success that they worked together and. I like. I love Hudsucker Proxy. I mm. really, really love that film. Um, I'd love to see them work do something together again. I don't know. You know, it's so, just it's fun that like they all knew each other. You know, I think if I remember right, and this is a really weird thing I was reading when I was researching this. Like, they wrote the character of um, uh, Annie, Sarah Berry, I think. Oh, Bobby Joachim. Well, they wrote one of the women characters in Evil Dead Two to be Holly Hunter because they were living with Holly Hunter. At the oh, time. okay. And um, T- Robert Tapper, the producer, basically said, no, we need like, um, oh, what do you say? He said, it's like, we can't have her. We need a real chick in it or something. We need someone with sex appeal or something. Well, I like, think uh, he was definitely the guy when they did the third one. He wanted like, you know, naked girls being whipped by skeletons and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. He like, like in the first one, I think there's like a, a quick... Uh, you know, nude shot of a woman, isn't there? I think which they yeah refrain, there are some yeah which they refrain from doing in the se- the second one, I think. Mm. And I think yeah, that's Rob Tappert's doing. Apparently, like when they did the series, the showrunner had a lot of issues with Rob Tappert. I think he's got a very particular really? way that he wants the se- the the Evil Dead franchise to go, which is like a bit of odds of maybe what Sam Raimi and other people want. So. Right, and that's which one of the reasons be... why it's one of the reasons why the show kind of I think ended like it did because. I think the showrunner had a yes. lot of issues with Rob Tappert because he was of what he wanted was totally different. 
So that might come to some of the explanations what we're having about, like, you know, why it has weird amounts of breaks and doesn't quite mm. get used all the time, that Rob Tabbard's just quite controlling over that. He's quite, well, I um, guess it's probably the three of them have probably got, like, like a, a stake in it, each, like an equal stake, and I guess yeah, if one of them doesn't agree yeah. on it, it just doesn't happen, so they will have to agree on it. Rob Tabbard's got a weird kind of, like, producing career. He hasn't done that much outside of Sam's films, but he did, like, a lot of, like... um John Claude Van Damme films. I think he was the producer of Time Cop. I think like, um, and Hard Target. I think, but outside of that, he's really only Sam Raimi films. He's he's managed to produce so. And he's obviously because so obviously Sam Raimi's got his production company that did like Thirty Days of Nights and like the Boogeyman yeah. and stuff like that. So I think he obviously worked on those. I'm guessing, and like the Dark Man sequels and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, like Evil Dead, the remake was directed by um, Fede Alvarez, who basically, like Sam Raimi, was like, "I love this kid; he's my friend. Like, make him do Evil Dead, really." Oh, okay. And um, and Fede Alvarez then did a. I think I can't remember if Don't Breathe was before Evil Dead or after. I think it was after, but that was really quite. Um, that was quite a big horror film as well. So that like their tendrils kind of like exist still, don't they? Like, Which one was that one? Was that one with the blind guy? No. Don't breathe. No, no, I don't. Well, yeah, it's, they get God, trapped inside remember. the blind man's house, don't they? So they can't breathe because that's the way they they yes. give away there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he is the blind one. Yeah, yeah. and obviously that he did um, Chaos Walking as well this year, which I haven't watched. Um, but well, he didn't direct it because Doug Lyman directed it. But um, oh, that film that, was that the one that was like Doug Lyman has a has a weird like. Tr- I'm mean, totally off topic now, but he has like a weird like. <laughs> he seems like an odd person to work with because all, all of his films seem yeah. to have issues and problems, and some of them yeah. turn out really good, and some of them turn out pretty bad. So I don't think I've watched a particularly boring like Doug Lyman film. Like Jumper, I don't maybe know, I, was a bit average. Jumper, yeah. I've been a long time since I watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but like Edge of Tomorrow, I think rules. American Made, I think absolutely rules. Yeah. I love American Made as well. Like so, um, Chaos Walking, I haven't watched, but apparently Fede Alvarez did the reshoots. As you were saying, he always has trouble. Um, you know, he always has trouble in his productions. Oh, so he he shot like the reshoots for that film. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came on to do the reshoots because I think as because Doug Lyman's sets go, they go over budget over time, <laughs> over like on their own path or something. So anyway, we totally veered off topic. Are you any like, final thoughts on Evil Dead before we uh, wrap it Not up? Not really. I think you know, like just I'm. I think this was a really good, even though we weren't really planning it. I think it's a really good to, to sit down and talk about these films in lights of like eighties films. And I think it will, it puts us in quite good stead to keep to kind of work on for our miniseries, really. Mm-hmm. Just totally. just watching this kind of beat up beat up old like seventies horror film get turned to this franchise kind of character stuff, like you know, not not character stuff, but like franchise kind of like um um character, really. And I think mm-hmm. that's that speaks a lot about eighties films, which is kind of cool. Awesome. So, what are we going to be talking about next week when we're actually back on track, on target? <laughs> we should be finally getting to um, uh, Altered States, which we, we did already announce, which um, should be exciting, actually. Yeah, good. James joining us, hopefully. Um, so, yeah. Yep. 
All right, well, thanks for listening, everyone. And, uh, yeah, please don't forget to uh, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever you listen to us on, be that Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, Amazon Music, whatever you listen to us on, please rate, review, and subscribe. Do all the things I said. That would be great. And, yeah, uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Track with a YR, not a your. And, yeah, please don't forget, if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking. <laughs>